Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 43, Hobbs and Shaw, Lap Unlapped. I'm Joey Lewandowski. (laughs) I'm Joe too. And this episode is brought to you by the Girl Scouts of America. Cookies power amazing adventures for girls. Surely they're awesomely delicious, but beyond the sweetness, Girl Scout cookies are an opportunity for girls to do extraordinary things. Brought to you by Samoa Girl Scout cookies. Samoa. Samoa. So here's a little thing. So we have switched up the release schedule. I did. I did. I did. I was so concerned with letting the people know what they're listening to that I did not uh, properly thank the Girl Scouts of America for these delicious cookies. Thank you for the delicious cookies, the Samoas. They renamed them. They're called Caramel Delights now, too, so they're both names. That's what I was talking to well, Rachel about Well, they were originally Caramel Delights. Well, they were here. They're, it's a regional name. Ah, is it? I didn't yes. know this fact. So just in, like, what, New England, like the Northeast? In Pittsburgh, they were always Samoas. Yeah, they were Caramel Delights here, and then they changed them. I think they're not Samoas everywhere. Oh, that's very cool. Cool. There are a handful see, of different ones that are something. different names. We see there's some split namings here. Thin Mints, I think, are Trefoils, maybe? No, no. Trefoils and Thin Mints are distinctly different cookies. What's Trefoils? They're the shortbread ones that are just like the shape of the logo. Oh, then that's just, they just call, they're called shortbreads here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we were originally going to release Furious 7 this week, but we decided that we're going to do a bonus Hobbs and Shaw, so just the hype. two of us. This is kicking off the first of 10 weeks in a row of a new episode every week. So instead Ooh. of having a week off next week... We're going to do Furious 7, and then we're going to go right into Fate of the Furious. And then back to Hobbs and Shaw, right? Then Pit Stop, then Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah. In a little bit of news, we, we had to readjust the Pit Stop just for this one. You'll you'll see why when it comes out. Trust us, it was a it was a good decision. I emailed Ben. I have not heard back from Ben. I just said, hope you, I don't know if you've seen Hobbs and Shaw yet, but there's a Pit Stop we're going to do before we do his because it's a it's different very movie. very appropriate, yeah. And I think you'll know it when you see the movie. And we'll talk about it later in this episode. We decided to do this just to sort of get our thoughts out there. And then when Mike comes on, because Mikester, uh, the ride-along the Mikester, Mikester of the ride-along, is going to be on our next Hobbs and Shaw episode in four weeks or whatever. And so we will have sort of laid a base as opposed to us just yelling how excited we were. Because you and I both saw yeah. it for a second time last night already. We both did, so yeah. So we're too deep. We got at least two more to catch up. Right now, we're too deep. So just a quick rundown. So we've got Hobbs and Shaw, then Furious 7, then Fate, then Pit Stop, then Hobbs and Shaw again, then Tune Up, You're My Lifespan. Then we kick off next lap, Driving School with Cara Gale O'Regan. So, Which I'm really stoked about, by the way. That's going to be awesome. So we've, I think we've mentioned it before, but I'll, I'll just say it again. Cara has never seen any... Of the Fast and the Furious movies. She's going in totally blind. We're going to take her to driving school. I got the brake in the passenger seat here. Do you ever have this? Did you go to driving yes. school? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think. I was okay. trying to figure out what. Because I was thinking handbrake. No, but there's the, the foot pedal. You got the foot the pedal foot there. Pedal yep. in the foot pedal in the passenger seat. We're going to have that. We can pump the brakes. And, and we're going to take her to driving school. Yes. I also want to say, because of the way that our schedule lined up, we recorded last night the back half, not the front half, but the back half of a Furious 7 episode. We did. So starting tonight... With this Hobbs and Shaw episode, next episode, next week's Furious 7. From then on, Hobbs and Shaw spoilers abound. So if you have not seen Hobbs and Shaw yet, 
Uh, you can listen up to what we would normally call the break, even though we're not going to take a break tonight because it's just you and me. That'll be sort of spoiler-free, and then beyond that, make sure you see it. But also, this will have come out a week and a half, two full weekends after the movie came out, and I figure, we both figure, if you're listening to a Fast and Furious podcast... And you're 40 episodes deep. And you're two weekends into Hobbs and Shaw, either you don't care about the movies and you just like the podcast, which is cool, or you've already seen it, but we just sort of assume that you will have seen it by now, and if not, if you want to just take a pause and binge after you catch up, that's cool too. But yes, so we are going to spoil the shit out of Hobbs and Shaw tonight, and then yeah, this is presumably all spoilers. for the next handful of episodes too, because I know we talked about it with our guest on Furious 7, which I'm was an awesome episode. about it a lot on Fate, and then again with Mike on Hobbs, so there we go. Yeah, mini spoiler, but our, our guests in the next episode, I think, came out really great, so I'm excited. I know we're like a week ahead of the back half of that, but... It was awesome. So we're going to treat tonight kind of like a full episode, and then next week is going to be kind of like a hybrid full episode, bonus episode, sort of a a changed up schedule. So first, let's do, since we haven't done this in two weeks, Joe, extracurricular activities. We have a shared one. We do have a shared one. We saw the movie. People know that we saw the movie. We got together and we saw this movie. We saw Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, we got to hang out. We had Brian from High School Slumber Party. We had Christian Larson and his wife. You know, you heard Larson on this lap. We had the Mikester, who will be on the second Hobbs and Shaw episode. And we had a grand old time. We did. And I was very excited to see everybody. It was cool that, I mean, it's not like they they came out to see us, but we all met because of us, because of this podcast. There was a reason to get together, which I thought was pretty cool. And yeah, it was family. I think it was that there was added excitement because there has been... uh, mixed reception to this movie, and I think we have at least one email about it. We will see. I know that Wes saw it twice. I don't remember if Wes, because Wes also emailed in. I don't remember if he spoke about it in the email. We'll find out later. But I know that somebody else wrote in an email about Hobbs and Shaw. I want to see. There's there's mixed reaction, mixed reception, and I'm uh, very curious. Rankings, thoughts, whatever, family at cageclub.me. Email them in. Yeah. Besides seeing that, I've been trying to lay low. I'm going to head to Pittsburgh in a couple weekends, so I'm getting ready for that. I changed the brakes on the car last weekend. That's Very a little cool. Fast and Furious yep. mm-hmm. adjacent, right? Did you go to the racer's so, edge to get those parts? I, I, I went to Advanced Auto. Put them back together. Rachel's been driving the car. She hasn't died yet, so that's a good sign. I put new squeaky clean new brakes on. The favorite part about it for me was as I was taking the brake pads off of the other car. I always have Rachel by my side. She likes to watch and help. I took the brake pads off the car. I was like, can you hand me the new one? So she opens the box. She pulls out a brake pad, hands it to me. Yep. And she's like, oh. And I was like, what was that reaction? You know, like is something wrong with the brake pad? She was like, no, that's what they're supposed to look like. Yep. And I was like, yeah, we needed new brakes bad she she learned how to do it i'm I'm actually fairly confident that she could do it now by herself concept wise she's confident yeah the other thing that i have done since we recorded or we saw and then we recorded from the parking lot hobbs and shaw i went down to yes. austin texas oh that's right i, forgot. I hung out with my sister i saw another carly ray jepson concert my second in two weeks how was it compared to the first one can you tell me better worse it's the how same was thing it? it's the same show it's like the same exact show same exact show same set list everything i'm pretty sure you know like i was talking about on the first time it's not like it's not fish. Like she has a, I get it. she has a band but she doesn't really mix it up it's just the same set it works no confetti this time in the finale, which was sort of a bummer, because I was expecting confetti. And I also didn't know what I was getting the first time. I think I liked the first one better, but the second one was just as good, and I had a great time the second time as well. Good, man. That's awesome. How's like everything in Austin? Cool? Everything's good? Everything's good. While I was down there, I met up with uh, Mr. West Hampton, Mr. and Mrs. West, and Mrs. West as well. They came out, because <laughs> my sister was going to so a... Cool. Uh, 
bridal shower, baby shower of sorts. The baby shower was actually on Saturday, sort of during the concert, so she couldn't go there. Okay. But they had like an after party ish at a pool hall, and so Wes and Mrs. Wes uh, showed up. And we hung out for a couple hours. I didn't know you guys hung out for like hours. Oh yeah, yeah. no, we were they were there for almost the entire time that we were there. Like I got there, texted them, they showed up probably. 20 minutes or half an hour later, and then we left together. I mean, we went separate ways, but... Uh, Dude, that's awesome. I also have to report back that uh, the great taco... I mean, the burger debate, I, I had a... How many burgers did I have down there? I went to Hop Dottie, which is not in the, in the battle. I did not go to In-N-Out or Whataburger, but I went okay. to Hop Dottie, and it was delicious, as always. But the big report back is that I went to Fuzzy's, which is, I think, a place that Wes recommended. Maybe it was Wes. Maybe... I feel like it was someone else, though, that was in... It was in, like, Oklahoma. Who's Who lives in Oklahoma? Let's see here. I think Fuzzy's Joe 3. Joe 3. See, I told you. It wasn't Wes. Yeah. Yeah. Joe 3. I knew one of them, and he lives in Oklahoma. Joe uh, recommended Fuzzy's. I went there. It was good. The breakfast taco was really good. They had a couple other tacos. The thing with Fuzzy's tacos that's a little bit weird is that they have 12 tacos, but they have, like, a full menu other than that. So I feel like... For a taco place. Other stuff like not even burritos and stuff, but like no, full menu. No, that's what I'm saying. They have like burritos, quesadillas, all that sort of stuff. But in terms of tacos with tacos in the name, there's only a handful of varieties. Not like torchies. Yeah, it has like 50. They actually don't have that many, but they just have like crazy, wildly different ones. Like this basically feels like pick your meat in the same taco or pick your breakfast thing in basically the same taco. Okay. And it was good, Limited but it was menu. not as wildly different as I was kind of hoping for. But how many choices do you really need, man? The more important thing what I was saying is that we went to this place called Guero's on South Congress in Austin, and that was delicious. They had t- we had tacos again Sunday night before we saw the bats under the Bat Bridge in Austin. Those tacos were amazing. I don't need craziness. Like I'd rather not have craziness. I think that Torchies is too much. I think it's too over the top. I agree. No, I agree. Sometimes like their their options are just are really extreme. But I don't want just like a taco with a meat and then cheese salsa or cheese pico lettuce. Like that just it just sort of feels boring. Like, you know, if the meat's great and the, the fuzzies was good, not great. Yeah. At least this one. I mean, maybe the one in Oklahoma was better. I don't know. I don't think that I'd be going back there. I mean, I, I enjoyed the breakfast taco. The queso was good, but the tacos themselves were sort of okay. But I'm glad that I went there because I don't like tor- Like, I liked some stuff in Torchies, but it's it's too rich. It's too much. Um, okay. And then I went to, to Guero's and Guero's was great. But I had a lot of really good food down there. And that was the uh, the big takeaway because I Austin's wanted to make sure. a good sure food spot, man. I like it. I'm, that, I'm, I'm with you. Like we had great food when I came to visit you there. So yeah, I went back to Rudy's, the uh, the worst barbecue in Texas, as they call themselves. Delicious. Rudy's is good, man. I was a fan. Gas yeah. station barbecue. Can't beat it. Nope. Yeah, sort of unplugged for a while. Just hung out with my sister and her cats and read a lot and had a lot of good food. Went to the concert and to the Bat cool. Bridge, went to the pool hall. Didn't watch like any TV or movies down there. I sort of pulled a, uh, a new look Mike Manzi, the Mikester. Uh, unplugged. <laughs> from the world a little bit but yeah that's it was good man it was good. you need a breather sometimes i feel you but yeah so that was that i'm trying to think is there anything else that i've done since we last recorded not just i've been recording a bunch of podcasts saw hobbs and shaw again last night same. like we said yeah. and yeah. that's kind of it same i've just been laying low i'm gonna take it easy for a little bit try to get through the end of the summer i'm getting excited for sports seasons coming up that's it yeah so next up we have, so here, here's some other news. So we mentioned the schedule change that's coming out before Furious 7. Yeah, sorry about not telling you guys beforehand. We but... mentioned spoilers. I, I did tell Wes in person. If, if, if I see you in person, I'll let you know. <laughs> I also want to point out that this upcoming Friday, as this is released, so in three days, the How Did This Game Made podcast is going to cover Hobbs and Shaw, because they started with oh, Fast cool. Five. Like, the reason that I watched these movies in the first place was because of that podcast. They have gone on to love, they've covered five, six, seven, and eight, and now they're going to do Hobbs and Shaw, so Adam cool. Scott will be back, so they're going to do that on Friday. It's going to, should be good. 
But I do want to point out that we are beating them to the punch time-wise, uh, release-wise. So listen to this, and then listen to them, and then come back to listen to us. The other very sad news... Do you remember the uh, what we have to pour one out for? Uh, the digital platform that died since we last recorded? Yeah, so we have a little bit of an update. Uh, we were all stoked. I like that we're talking about this like it's the most serious thing in the world. This is not a, it's <laughs> not a big deal. <laughs> it's not a big deal. We'll figure out another way to do it. I promise. You know, we, we were all excited. We did a tester of Rabbit so we could do a family viewing together. I noticed last week... I just like went to go check it again to see if it was up because I knew we were getting to the end of the lap. And Rabbit's dead. They just killed it. They made it called something else. Do you know what it's called now? No, I didn't even look. I just took your word as gospel <sighs> that it was dead. Because the funny thing was that when we did when we when we reported in the Rabbit Cast. check, you know, about a month ago, we were like, oh, it got really good. And like I think it was maybe like, oh, this kind of sucks. We'll just let them do their thing. And then they got their shit figured out. They're like, okay. We gotta either buy this or shut it down because, like, there's it's legal not shut loopholes. down. No, it's not shut down. So they, they just got bought out by a company called Cast or a service called Cast, okay. which is very much like a Twitch kind of thing, from what I'm figuring out. I searched on Twitter to see the response of it because I, I didn't want to like try Cast. I just, like you know, I was preliminary. I was at work. I was trying to figure it out. Everybody was like, "Fuck you, Cast." Just give us rabbit back. Bummer. And so that's not a good sign for us. We'll figure it out. And worst case, we can just figure out a place to be. And then we can everybody, pretty much everybody either has Netflix or has a Netflix account. So we can all sort of click play at the same enough time. We can make some random chat room. Or, we'll, we'll do something. I mean, we're going to make it work. We're going to do it. I want to watch it with you guys. I would love to talk to you live while we're watching it or chat with you live while we're watching it. So like, we'll, we'll have this happen. But the rabbit thing kind of like shit the bed not because of us. Although this podcast, this podcast is so popular that it could have, they could have gotten wind of this upcoming, you know, phenomenon and just said, "No, no, no, we must shut this down." <laughs> exactly. Universal gonna, said, "No, service, we need those streams." Yeah, they didn't have, they didn't have enough server bandwidth to handle all of us. So. Yes. So we do have a Patreon page here on the show. If you love this show and want to kick us a couple bucks, if you want to get some merch, if you want to get bonus episodes, early access, voting rights, your choice of what we cover, uh, you can go to TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Millman, and new. new patron Nick Burris. Thank you, Nick, for supporting us. Your stickers are in the mail as you hear this. So they are on the way to you. You should be getting those stickers and a nice little uh, handwritten note from me. Very shortly. Nick's cool. He sends us some uh, Facebook Messenger messages sometimes. So. And he also sent us That's some emails to tonight. So we will get to that oh, now because we have an email just here on the show. Ooh. Family at cageclub.me. Let us talk about it. Oh, actually, first off, the most recent what? email we got is from YouTube saying, way to go passing 100 subscribers on Dude, YouTube. We've been we've been itching at this. We've been talking about it for a while, but finally we hit 100. So I'm very stoked about that. You got the good... um. The URL. I did. It's youtube.com slash C, like channel, slash Too Fast Too Forever. So yep. if you want to go do that, go do that. Um, thank you to all the many robots who subscribe to our channel, and also to all the many of our couple friends. dozen of you who, who did this too. Hopefully it's a bunch of new fans listening. Just but not, it doesn't... not writing us. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Joe, we have five emails tonight. First up from Mr. Mrs. Wes. Oh, good. I'm excited. Subject line, six fast, six furious. Ooh, what does he mean by that? Let's find out. Well, just I think that's what he's been doing this entire lap. Okay. 
Really? Yes. I, I Maybe I just forgot about I drink too much. I'm sorry. You yes. do. All right. What up, fam? Great last episode. I'm glad we got to hear from Rachel herself after hearing about her for so long. You did. Yeah, finally. She was on. Is Rachel there in the background? No, she's she's uh, playing on her computer oh. because I have the TV muted and gotcha. stuff, so she wasn't listening to us, but she is here. I learned recently that she here, she is sitting next to you from about half the podcast you record, which is dedication to a level that I did not know existed. Like, that is... <laughs> Yeah. Commitment to Tonight quiet. she's not listening. She has headphones on and she's watching her computer while I watch sports in the background. Gotcha. So. I'm glad Joe was able to bring her into the fold so now he can or now she can admit that the love of the Fastiverse was in her all along. Wes says, like you, I saw Hobbs and Shaw last night and I listened to your reactions this morning, but I won't be commenting on that at the moment except to say that I loved it and I'm seeing it again in about two hours. And I've talked to him a little bit about it in person. He's not emailed again, so I think probably next episode, between now and yeah. hopefully by the time we release Fury 7, if not for the Fate episode, we'll hear about his thoughts there. What a gentleman. He's, like, letting us get it in first. As I'm sure you saw on Twitter, Mrs. West was supposed to go with me and was equally or maybe more excited. But then that morning, a friend got two VIP meet-and-greet passes to the Blink-182 Lil Wayne show. And she called me to ask about it. I saw that she went to the concert, but I didn't she know she had VIP meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Did she get to meet Wheezy F Baby? F is for phenomenal? I don't know. We'll find out. She literally started <laughs> crying at one point because she was so looking forward to seeing the movie together. And while I was Aww. a little disappointed, I told her to go to the concert. She'd never Aww. seen Blink-182 before, and I saw them a few times awesome back band. in their Dude Ranch Enema of the State days, so it only seemed right. Especially when I found out it's the Enema of the State 20th anniversary tour, so they played the whole album that's her favorite one. So anyway, she went to the concert, and I went to the movie and now we're going to see it together and she'll probably cry again at some point during it she's a crier anyway here are my new episode observations then when i saw them i asked did you cry and she's like no why would i have cried i'm like i just heard you were a crier and uh she said she said no i don't think i, I don't think i cried and then west sort of had to defend himself like oh uh you know you just cried a lot of movies but i don't think she cried during, i don't think there's really this isn't a sad movie it's a fucking happy movie it's it, i was stoked and smiling the whole time Both i do feel like watching it enough times we we may cry at some point but you know we'll see i don't know i think this maybe this Samoa part. Samoa. Samoa. Uso. Uso. Excellent new music on the bonus episode. I like the new well, main theme a lot, it. and I hope everyone likes the commercial break and outro themes I made. They were a lot of fun to work on. Yeah, like we've been saying, you know, Nico and Wes both killed it on the music, uh, so all the music you're hearing now is fully usable on YouTube, so shout out to both of them again for they letting us it, use this music. I can't tell you how many times I listened to the, the reaction episode just to hear the intro and outro, and it was like a short episode, but like I would like play the beginning just to hear the intro music and like hear us fade in and like play the outro of Wes's music and like hear it fade out. I was like, oh man, I really like this. So last night as we were, as I was seeing uh, Hobbs and Shaw again, I was, I saw it with a friend of the show, Melissa Lyman and patron at the $1 level. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. We went from dinner to Bed Bath & Beyond, which is our go-to snack spot before we go to uh, the Bed movie. Bath & Beyond? It's just right across the street from the movie theater and you can get like decent, you can get like cookies or candy for like two bucks as opposed okay, to... Okay, fair. Yes. Okay, okay. I thought you were like like food like i was like is there a food court in your bed bath no they like, just what have the fuck like, am actual, I like they ha- it's it's a it's a bed bath beyond i think with a world's markets so they've got a lot of the artisanal fancy candies and cookies and stuff makes sense yeah i get it now and so we took separate cars and i got there and as i walk up to the front door where she's standing she's listening to our episode i hear our voices and she pauses she's like oh i didn't get a chance to listen to the eight minutes yet i'm listening before the movie and so i was like oh cool so she was just sort of you know That's putting really our cool. vibes out into the world of our voices, maybe the one Bed Bath and Beyond employee who was there, you know, asked her. I, I don't think she did, but you know, maybe it was like, 
oh, what's that you listen to? It sounds awesome. We should go into a store and queue up like every like iHome or like Bluetooth speaker and just play it like surround sound. Well, I was thinking one time. in this in Hobbs and Shaw there is a scene and I know that your ultimate dream is to have this podcast play in the movies, but there's a scene where someone I don't remember if, if it's Hobbs's brother or if it's someone else on Hobbs Customs or if it's maybe somebody in the the lab, but they have a laptop and there's stickers on there. I was like, there's that's a perfect laptop to put a <laughs> Too Fast Too Forever sticker on it. Sadly, that's what I mean. Not. Even if if we got a sticker and they weren't like they didn't like zoom in on a phone that was listening to us, I think a sticker would be like I would still lose my fucking mind yeah. if if a sticker wound up in the movies somehow. Like even if it was like blurry in the background, like like in the minute we're coming up to, like you know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. like out of focus and shit. Like if I just knew it was there, I'll be perfectly happy. Wes's email continues. I don't remember who wrote it and say this last episode, but the cipher is Jesse's sister theory is a good angle. I doubt that's what's going to happen, but the more I thought about it, the more I like that possibility. Yeah, same. I do too. Joe said something about a significant other tolerating these movies is about the best you can hope for, but I would say that is false, um, which I think is something I sort of uh, not took offense to, but tried to say, like, oh, no, people of of all stars and stripes like these movies. Uh, Wes says, I would like to submit Mrs. Wes as my evidence. We call the stand Mrs. Wes. Of the two of us, I would say I'm the bigger fan, or at least more obsessive. But she gets as excited as I do for the new movies, and she's actually one of the people I credit with getting me to give them a chance again. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, she was super excited. Like, we talked about the, the about Hobbs and Jaw for a little while and sort of just about other things, but, like, she just seemed super passionate. What I liked talking to both of them about was, as he's written in before, the different draft house events, the different feasts, them having their Thanksgiving marathons and stuff. Like, yep. they both care so much about just having fun in movies and good movies and just, you know, experiencing things together. And, it's yeah, she's... She's into these things. Rachel does now enjoy them. Maybe unlike Mrs. West, I don't know. She wouldn't seek out a new Fast and the Furious movie without me. Like, Rachel's not going to, like, drag me by the arm to go see Hobbs and Shaw. You think that if you died, she wouldn't see it, like, in your memory? She definitely would and cry during it, hopefully, and not swear at the theater. It wouldn't matter to her. Gotcha, okay. If, like, she got sick of me and left which is bound to happen at mm-hmm. some point. She wouldn't I consider go... it every day. Yeah, I know. I think about it too every day. She wouldn't, like, go see Fast and Furious movies without me, like, beyond that. Like, if I died, it would be, like, you know, in memoriam of me. Wes says, Joe, not all ska music is happy and goofy. You may already know this, and I won't go into a whole big thing here, but ska started back in the 50s as protest music in Jamaica. It was a precursor for reggae and actually has a really interesting history. It wasn't until the 90s that it became what most people think of it as today, and that's fine. I love all the goofy 90s, 2000s, third wave stuff too. I just don't want people to think that's all there is to it. True. I agree. For me, when I say ska, I know that it's a bigger genre, but I always think third wave, and I always think like covers and goofy and fun. I also think that most of what people think of when they think of ska is the third wave stuff. It is deeper than this. There's a long history of it. I hope that everybody goes and listens to some ska. Go check out uh, Skagist, Wes putting out his playlist, because they're a ton of fun, and he finds really great deep cuts. I've been listening to that. Is that on his Back to Back to the Island uh, Twitter account? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he put together a playlist um, on YouTube for it. He has, like, covers. He has second wave, first wave stuff, really old stuff. He, he likes to mix up. He makes it really international. He picks up bands from different countries that I've never heard of. It's a ton of fun. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely way more vast and spread than that. For me personally, I always think of ska as third wave. I don't know much about it beyond... You probably know all the third wave stuff. Probably. Yeah. Like, you know, like Less Than Jake, 
yeah, real big yeah, yeah, fish, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. kind of stuff. Yep, 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 yep. That's the stuff that everybody thinks about when you think of ska now, because like that was like our kind of formative ska, but the, it, it existed for a lot longer than us in that, so... Gotcha. To answer your questions about the cookie competition, yes, Mrs. West and several friends were competing, which is what I thought. Oh. They were something like 50 entries, but they only followed a few of them. We did sign waivers, and they took our pictures holding them just in case, but I tried really hard not to be in any of the background shots. We'll see what happens, uh, though. I would have been sneaking in all the background shots. I would have been, like, licking icing off my face, and, like, Ew. I would have, I would have been trying... What? Just the visual of it, just, uh... Well, that's only because you made it sexual. I was just licking icing off my face. Like, like you know, you like, you're eating a cookie, it gets on your nose, you, like, they're trying to tongue it off, and you're, like, weird on camera, like, they have, like, that breakaway shot. Why were you imagining me all sexually, you creeper? I wasn't. It was just the fact, just you, imagining you licking anything off your face is just, uh... Because you can't, your, my tongue's not that long. It's like, uh, like, I can't reach my nose or anything. That's, uh, you just have to, like, fake... I would be trying to clown to be on TV is what I'm trying to I say. I get it. I get it. I get okay. it. You guys asked why Dom gave the necklace to Letty after trying to raise her memories back into her. It was her necklace. We don't know it yet in the timeline, but that necklace was her wedding ring that he left with her when he took off in the beginning of 4. And when we do the necklace watch, the chain gang next episode, we will... Uh, 7 is another big one. 6 and 7 are the two big ones. They're, yeah, they're the biggest of them. Yeah, so the, They're sure. sort of the reasons why we did what we did. I agree. In the Fast and Furious Minute, you got a good look at Brian's driver's license, but don't take it too seriously. You'll see it again in Too Fast, Too Furious with different info. Granted, this one's his undercover license, but they yes. both have different birthdays. They make him mm. younger in Too Fast, Too Furious. And I think they change it once more in a later movie when his info appears on a DSS screen or something. So probably like six or something, yeah. We also talked about in the next episode that we learned Ramsey's first name is Megan Ramsey, so I can't wait True. to get to those screens and like really sort of pour over all that information <laughs> and find out exactly. Dig. They are. Yep. I know. I agree. Also, I don't know how that license expired in 2000. Arizona licenses are good till you're 65. It's a bizarre quirk what? of the state. Wow. Wes gave us some insider baseball on that one, right? Wild. He's, he's a lot of experts for us, but I, he's also our Arizona expert. And uh, that, yeah. that's a strange... I would like that, though. Just never have to renew it for, you know, 50 years almost. It seems almost like like fake. Like, so you have this license that you got when you're, like, what, 18? Yeah, Probably. Probably. And then you're, like, 65, and you're, like, at the bar, and you're, like, yep, that's me. And you're, like, N no. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, Wes, right in, like, do they update the pictures? Like, how does that work? It's fucking weird, man. Because you could do whatever you want. And now, today, with, like, plastic surgery and shit, like, you could be, like, a completely different person. Sure. You know, like, Absolutely. And you don't ever have to update it, so it doesn't fucking matter. No. Nope. Like, Wes says, my first thought of Fast and Furious 6 is honestly the montage at the beginning. It's a great movie with great set pieces, but nothing really jumps out at me like the other movies. The chain, there was the chain passing in 6, so. And as far as your criticism of Brian's policing abilities, I think you're wrong. Technically, Brian was a great cop, and he always caught his man. It was just the whole, quote, don't commit crime slash don't fall for the criminals thing he had a problem with. So he caught he caught Dom, but he lets him go. So, like, come on. He catches him for himself, but not for the police. Does that make you a good cop if you do your, if you job? are good at your job, but, like, <laughs> don't follow the rules? That makes you a bad, the whole job of a cop is to is to follow the rules. To enforce it, to follow and enforce it, yeah. Yeah, that's to what I'm saying. So, like, protect. If, you, if you catch him, you'd be, like, a really great private investigator mm -hmm. or, like, a detective, but that doesn't mean you, like, locked him up. Like, yeah. I think that's part of the cop job. Wes says, I've got to wrap this up to get to the theater, so I'll try to remember to send in a car pick before you record. Until next time, stay furious, Wes. Stay furious, Wes. So thanks thank you, for, Wes, for writing in. Yeah, thanks for talking, man. Our schedule mix-up made it might have uh, influenced things. We're not going to play the car guessing game tonight because we have no guest tonight, but uh, for Fate of the Furious or for Hobbs and Shaw, 
Possibly so, you know, who knows? So you got another two weeks or so, I think, to get one of those in. Next email from Jenny McMullen. Oh, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Subject line, episode 41. Hi, guys. Had to stop at the rest area on the way home after listening to episode 41, with, which ended with your guess the car game. Was that with Kyle? 41 was Fast and Furious 6 with Rachel. So that was Rachel. Yes. That's why I couldn't guess Malibu. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right, she talks about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I must be in car mode, unlike Joe, because I've been playing Guess the Car before Joe does lately, and I've gotten Catalina and Malibu based on Joey's non-car-like clues. She says, Malibu rum is one of my favorites, so when Rachel said coconut, I yelled Malibu. She says, don't feel too bad, I still have a higher than average knowledge of cars from being in a couple of classic car clubs and being married to a car guy. By the way, they still do make the Impala. They do? Cool. One of my answers to your questions is jumping a car out of a plane. I plan on going skydiving for my 50th birthday next year with my friend who was born the day before I was. That's, That's a, a cool tandem thing. for the first two, but I'll probably only do it once. This is funny. My mom and one of her best friends have the same birth date. My best friend, his sister and her best friend had the same birth date, and they were a year apart. So it's really weird that that happens, and that's really cool that it happened, that Jenny's best friend is uh, a day before her. Yeah. I haven't heard much talk about tattoos, but would like to, since some of the family does have them. We'll be interested if you do that in the minutes. Do either of you have any? I have three small ones. We talked about, in the minutes first, I think we've pointed out maybe some tattoos, but we haven't, like, Vince has Vince. Yeah, we talked about Vince's, yeah. Beyond that, I don't think we've really seen many tattoos in the movies so far. In the minute, yes. in the first nine or ten minutes. No, we, we haven't. We haven't. It was just Vince so far. So I don't think Brian has any and stuff like that. As for personal tattoos, I know that you don't have any. Correct. I have a few. I lose count. Let me count them. I have one, two, three, four, five. I got five. So I got, like, my forearm, I got my inner left arm, one on the back of my leg, one on my chest for my mom, and one on my back. They vary in size. My forearm one's my whole forearm. The inside of my left arm is my whole inside of my left arm. Back of the leg's small. Chest above my heart is really small. Back is small. Yeah, I love tattoos. I'm a big fan. Um, I would get a whole bunch more, but they're fucking expensive if you want good ones. And that's pretty much the only limiting factor for me. Um, I would cover my whole body head to toe if I could. Uh, Rachel has a bunch. We have actually some matching ones. We have some that are like related and stuff like that. Because usually like when one of us makes an appointment, we just schedule both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little bit easier. We have a cool tattoo artist here. On that note, Jenny, if you have a couple small tattoos, I know that this might not be super related, but do you ever watch the show Ink Master? Because it's on right now. Again, another cool reality TV show. Um, The host is Dave Navarro, Chris Nunez, and Oliver Peck. Two guys are tattoo artists. You know who Dave Navarro is. And they do like a tattoo competition. Have you ever seen it, Joey? No, I know about it, but I haven't seen it. You know, you try to find a great tattoo artist. and They make them tattoo like every style, every option. You know what I mean? And they bring people in every week. And, you know, sometimes they get pissy clients that like don't want to listen to them. And But we've been actually watching that because it's on now. And it's, it's a lot of fun. We watch it every season. And it's cool to just like critique tattoos see what like the tattoo master guys say about tattoos and like what they're looking for in tattoos it's a different way to look at them so what channel is that on is that on spike no no spike's not even a channel anymore paramount it's paramount. on paramount, it it is. paramount. so yeah. i was right i just it's not yeah, the, you were right not the yep. uh, the current one yet okay well gotta finish my drive home and get the weekend started might have to pick up a bottle of malibu later jenny Ooh, i like malibu rum too I'm a fan. I like coconut. Rachel's not a big coconut fan, but I like coconut macaroons and like all the fake coconut flavors and everything. Like I like fake coconut flavors. I like toasted coconut. We drink a lot of coconut beers. Have you, we've drank some together. Probably. Right? Yep. I'm a big fan. You know so. my favorite. Uh, my favorite rum though is right. What? Goslings. 
Oh. I've never had it though. Oh. I don't. I don't like hard liquor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You don't drink a lot of liquor. No. With Rachel's job, she's slanging liquor out here. Mm-hmm. We drink a lot of liquor, surprisingly. <laughs> not surprisingly. If, if anybody knows you, it is not surprising. <laughs> it's not surprising at all. No. Next two emails are from. Nick Burris. One uh, is sort of a, a clarification or addition to the first. So, okay. Okay, cool. Hey guys, first off, you make me so hungry when you're talking about food. He wanted to go get some good Mexican food. El Burrito is one of our favorites uh, for the Mrs. and I. He says they love fajitas. Ooh, I, dude. So I'm a big fajita fan too. And Rachel and I actually make fajitas at home a lot because uh, she has like a really good fajita marinade down. If you want it, we can shoot it over. And so we like make uh, steak, chicken, all kinds of fajitas all the time. And that also goes right in line with your uh, wild idea to have things as hot as humanly possible, because when I think hot food, Sizzling. temperature hot, yes. yes, fajitas. I think my mouth is burnt right now, and I don't know what I ate that burnt it, but I sizzling hot foods for me. This next part is a uh, follow-up to, do you remember the picture of his kids in that uh, little Power Wheels car? Yeah, outside the park, I remember he it. Says, yeah. He said it was in his front yard, between the front and the back, there's plenty of room to do donuts and burnouts. Holy fuck, is that that's your front? You know, we're kind of in the northeast. I saw other houses there. Like, it looked like a, it looked like a front yard to me, because I also grew okay, up... Okay, fancy boy. Sorry. I mean, you just live in the country. It's not, you know... <laughs> I'm just teasing, man. Yeah, I lived in the city, like, my whole... My yard in my parents' house is, like, 10 by 10, maximum. Well, yeah, you you grew up in a city, in a city, in in the city, firmly in the city. Yeah, I grew up on what was once a farm that was not a farm. Really? Yeah. That the the people that my parents bought the house from, I think, built the house on the farmland. But yeah, my my property, my parents' house used to be a farm. Did you have Did you have farm animals? No. E i e i o. So there's plenty of room for his son to do donuts and burnouts. He likes making laps around his above-ground pool and deck. Okay. And then he says he was on the Extreme Makeover Home Edition. So here's a picture. He says they were doing a veteran's house in Broadway, North Carolina, next to Sanford. Allison, who I think is his wife, bugged him to go put his army uniform on, and uh, he did, and all the veterans said, come be a part of the little parade to introduce the show. He says, glad I did. It was pretty cool. Which one is him? Do you know? I don't know. I'm assuming he's the one in uniform. The back with the red hat? I would assume so. Kind of looking like Channing in a couple movies. Fuck you, because I was just about to say he got me super channed up right now. He's looking a little Channing to me right here. Nick says, speaking of Joe 2 and Trash TV, Luda says Big Brother's coming online when in London. So in, in Fast and Furious 6, so he's uh, he's got trash TV on the brain, I think, you know, thanks to you. Oh, maybe, hopefully. Uh, he says there's a lot of jokes in 6, love the forehead jokes and the evil twin team. Dude, the forehead joke is so good, I know. He says he also loves when they buy all the cars and the auctioneer, and he says, or the coordinator, whoever that is, uh, gets to strip for them. Yeah, I'm gonna need that watch. Nick says maybe another hint that The Rock is gay is he's the one that asked for the pants and then winked. He says he didn't think of anything until the last time he watched it. Although we just found out uh, in Hobbs and Shaw's, we will talk about not gay. <laughs> he, Maybe by <laughs> not gay. But we've said this, and I'm just going to say it out here now. Is like I know that they're not, but I felt like they might have been listening to us because they answered just a little bit too many of our questions. Before we started recording, uh, Tobin Addington of the Contenders podcast, he and his sister yep. Island were on yep. our lap to episode one he sent yep. in a text thread between the three of us uh me Island, and tobin sent a link from slate.com that says the fast and furious movies have always been gay and i was like yeah they have yeah i said we have a theory about hobbs but proven false but uh you know it didn't prove shit it just means that he's attracted to vanessa kirby i mean vanessa kirby vanessa is kirby. so beautiful that like i feel she anyone, transcends anyone like the, would be attracted the female to female zeph 
Yeah. Like, I can't, you can't not think that she's a gorgeous woman. Even, like, you know, no Hobbs' daughter is like, are all spies this pretty? She, he goes, N- no, she's yeah. exceptionally pretty. Like, it's just. It's true. I agree. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, that doesn't mean much that he has a little bit of a crush on her, because I think that most people on the planet would yep. have a crush on her. Mm-hmm. He says, thinking about all the death on the runway and should it be justice for Giselle, which we agree, yeah. Ooh. Or not even justice for Giselle, just, like, manhunt for Giselle. Like, look for her, find her body. Don't forget about it. Get her. her body, go kill Owen. It's kind of his fault. So, like, go kill Owen. We'll be talking about Owen no. later tonight, I can tell you that much. Okay. Or a lack of Owen. Yeah, true. He says, Owen technically killed her, so the Shaw brothers killed the future family of Han and Giselle. He says, but she died on the airstrip. Now she flies an invisible plane. Well, hopefully, the next Wonder Woman. So there's a little uh, airport connection there. And like we said, we we never see a body, so I still hold a thread in my heart that Giselle will come back somehow. I hope so. And that Han gets brickstened and robotically brought back, too. But that's just that's just me being super petty and in my wants. That's it. Uh, his name's not Brixton. It's the people's, the people's elbow. elbow. Oh, God, yeah. We'll get to that. He says, if they're going to have Fast on Ice, eight is a start just because they were on it, LOL. Which, yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, that's a good point. He says, one more thing. If I was yelling at Joe, too, when he could not get Malibu, no love lost, though, living a quarter mile at a time, Nick. So I like that both Nick and Jenny were both like, how Look, could you not get guys, Malibu? Guys, now that I got two about these... I just want to let you know, we recorded very early in the morning. We had a long day the day before. It was like 11 o'clock. That's early for me. We had a very long day the day before. Although the baseball game was only like an hour and a half. We left the house early in the morning. We didn't come back till very late at night. And then we recorded as soon as we woke up the next morning. So just saying, I wasn't in tip-top shape. Please give me a little bit of of leeway here. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. This last email we have is from Wells Lamont. Subject line, Wells. well, the classic Wells long subject line, that this is too much spoiler activity. You don't have to read it, or you can save it for a raining day, or just delete it. No worries, but if you <laughs> haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw by the time this episode airs, are you even a fan? True. Calling out, in theory, everyone and no one all at once. <laughs> well, it's a great episode for it, because it, this is going to be spoilery. So yep. let, it, let it fly, Wells. So starting now, spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie yet, pause, go see the movie, come back. Well, says, I've watched Hobbs and Shaw twice now, and I got way too high to actually remember as much stuff as I wanted to discuss with you guys. <laughs> I can't really write things down during the movie with my bright-ass phone. I did purchase the Hobbs and Shaw popcorn bucket, which is pretty cool. $7.75. Cool. Nice. Says, what if the voice is Mark Wahlberg, and they show a flashback of Italian job, and Hobbs is involved <gasps> in the heist? That would make me smile. What if it's Edward Norton? Edward Norton could not give a fuck on the set of Italian job. <laughs> it's not him. I would be Stunned. I... Stunned. It was Edward Norton. <laughs> he comes back as the Hulk, and they're like, "There's the this is the Green Hulk, not the not the Samoan Hulk or whatever, <laughs> like the Samoan Thor." They're like Green Hulk, Samoan Thor. We got everybody here. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. We're gonna we're gonna for sure talk about the voice in a little bit. We have a bunch of theories. I have a couple of theories, but I did not consider Mark Wahlberg. And thank you, Wells, for that one. Wells says the second time watching it, the voice really sounds like Ryan Reynolds. That sounds dead nuts. Ryan Reynolds. Everybody said that. That was like the big takeaway like on, on all the social medias. Everybody was saying that it was Ryan Reynolds. I have Reynolds. a theory. You'll kick it. I know, yeah. You have a good theory. I know, I no, like no, I, no, I have a different. I have a new theory from, from the second oh, time. Oh, wow. I, okay. I, I'm, I, am, uh, I haven't heard it that yet then. I either know who it is or I'm disappointed Ooh. in something, and we'll talk about that. I think oh. we'll talk about that first. Like It's going to be one of the first things we talk about. Okay. He says they say things, though, that make it seem like it's definitely not Ryan Reynolds, so I have no idea. I hope it's someone we already know, but I'm ready for whatever. I was hoping that it was someone we already know, but I kind of want it to be someone new, because we, we tightened the family in Hobbs and Shaw pretty close. 
So, like, add somebody else in. If Brixton's gone, we pretty much only have Hobshaw and his sister and mm-hmm. Helen Mirren. So you can add somebody. I'm not I'm not opposed to having, you know, another person. We'll see. We will see. We will see. I'm a bit confused on why Hobbs calls the cops on him at the very end. This is one of two things. Hobbs hates him still, and this is just a little bit more back and forth between them. Or it's a setup for something I'm unaware of. I think it was just a prank. I think it was just a prank. Yeah, same. Huge anus. There are three post-credit scenes in Hobbs and Shaw, as we talked about on the yes. reaction episode. None of them are really important. And I no. think that this is just retaliation from Statham getting him as Mike Oxmall, Michael Oxmall, uh, detained yeah. at the airport. I think this is just like a, I want him to be cavity searched because I was too. Yeah, you can call in like, oh, this guy seems like a threat. You know, like, I, I don't think that it, there was anything more to read into it than that. They got along. They, they defeated Brixton together. But it's not like they're friends. No, they were super friendly at the end. They were like, you can be Chewbacca to my Han Solo and like, you can be my mini-me and stuff like that. By the end, they're friends. If they were just pure chummy from here on out, I don't think that would ring true. I think there's always going to be the annoying, like, they still are annoyed by each other. It's going to be competitive, and it's going to be, like, brotherly, but I think it's going to be friendly. Yeah. Hattie, who is the uh, Vanessa Kirby part, reminds me of little, uh, reminds me of little Debbie. Little Debbie, like the little Debbie hostess cupcakes? Like that? Yes. Like little Debbie Swiss rolls? No, little Debbie, like the rapper. Oh. Like, who? Like, Crayshon's friend? Was that Little Debbie? She's best known as being a part of the now-defunct group The White Girl Mob with rappers Crayshawn and V Nasty. Yeah. Was Little Debbie... Little Debbie was like the real... Oh, she does look just like her. Fuck. I want to see her. Hold on. Right. That's right. She's she way. Does. I mean, no, no offense to Little Debbie, but uh, Vanessa Kirby is way more attractive than Little Debbie. I mean, she's like a hood rat version of Vanessa Kirby. Like if Vanessa Kirby had like a really hood rat little sister or something. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I can see the resemblance, Wells. I'm with you, man. What did Little Debbie get in trouble for? Wasn't she in jail? I, this is she literally the first time I've ever heard of Little Debbie. No, she she was like in jail for something, and I also think she's like said some like slurs. Or, it was it was bad. I don't know, but she I know she was in jail. I think. Chances are you don't know who Lil Debbie is being on the East Coast, but she's an independent Bay Area rapper, just the look and vibe I got. I can't believe you didn't think that I knew who Lil Debbie was. Rewind this back, because as soon as Joey said Lil Debbie, and I said the hostess cupcakes, you said no. I said the one with Crayshawn. I knew exactly who she was. The other Lil Debbie. The other Lil Debbie, yeah. One thing I liked is the different level of emotion The Rock had and his change of tone in this movie. Since 5, he's been, quote, Wrath of God, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. He stayed in classic The Rock form. Funny, badass one-liners and always playing God. In Hobbs and Shaw, he changes his tone for the first time in the Fast and Furious career. Tried to reason with Shaw. When Shaw told him, this is family, so it's none of your business, Hobbs responds with, but when it's saving the world from a catastrophe, it is my business. This is not verbatim or something like that. I think that he takes, that they set it up in the sense that when you see his daughter and you see him act fatherly to her, he seems more familial fatherly in this movie. And he does do a lot more of these things. I don't know if it's like the only time he's did it. I think he's been transitioning for a while, in my opinion. I can see it's he's definitely playing a different role than he does when he plays like Hobbs next to Dom. I was talking to Jordan Paul and Clark, who was on our Fast and Furious Six episode in Lab Two, and she was yes. saying about how she didn't think she got tired. Like she loves these movies and she loved parts of Hobbs and Shaw, but she did not love all of Hobbs and Shaw. And she was saying that she's tired of these movies where The Rock and Statham don't change. And I was like, well, I think they do. I think Statham especially has changed from being yeah. pure villain to sort of begrudging hero to now sort of begrudging hero, but more good guy than bad. Hobbs has sort of remained, he's kind of refined a little bit. I think what Wells is saying is true, but I think Hobbs is relatively close to where he was in 5. I think he's more developed now, like they know what the character is. But I definitely think that Shaw has changed 
over the three or three and a half whatever movies uh, he's been in. I agree. Shaw's definitely he's getting an arc, and we'll talk about the the character arc that'll come up soon, or the p- proposed speculative character arc that might happen. Yes. Hobbs totally sounds desperate. He's trying to reason with Shaw, and you can sense urgency in his voice. I thought that was interesting because it never happened before with him. He said, also, Hobbs yeah. got a girl. Ha ha ha. I was really hoping he was gay. That would have been cool. But if he bangs Shaw's sister, that's a check mark in the Justice for Han box. He was a <laughs> pervert about a two telling Shaw about his endowment and how his sister can climb his mountain. And I will add over and over and over again. Two things on that. One, I'm glad that everybody's bought into our Hobbs was gay theory. That's incredible that our fans like yeah. all were looking for it. That's really, really funny to me. Two, Wells might know this. So Tracy Morgan has this, spe- like, it was like a clip from something he was like being interviewed by someone and they asked him what he thought about michelle obama and he's like she looks like one tall mountain i want to climb oh i heard that yeah yeah yeah. i've said this before like i say it to rachel like i'm like oh she's one tall mountain i want to climb like about anything and so like when they said it in the theater you know you're sitting on my left rachel sitting on my right i'm just like tapping her on the leg like did you hear it he wants to climb that tall mountain like that's a I think I'd only heard it within the context of Tracy Morgan and Michelle Obama. Same. Before this. Yeah, I've only heard it before that Tracy Morgan say Michelle Obama's a tall mountain he wants to climb. And then I picked it up because I thought that was just a hilarious description for The Rock to say it like, oh, and I'll let her climb it over and over again. It was amazing to me. Well says, anyway, there's too much to discuss, so I'm going to end it. I want to hear what y'all got to say about it. Love this movie. Here's my new order. So he's got his own rankings. So here we go. Oh, From the bottom up. First one we'll hear, because Kate did hers last night, but we didn't hear These it These are the first official ones. Yes. Yes. Uh, number nine, still still in the same place for him, still last, Fast and Furious number four. Okay. Number eight, Furious seven, same place for him. Damn, low. Number seven, Fate of the Furious, which fell one, I think. Number okay. six is six, which I think that jumped above Fate, I think. Number okay. five he has is Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Number four he has is the first one. Okay. Number three, Too Fast. Number two, Tokyo Drift. And number one, Fast Five. So I think, you know, he has Hobbs and Shaw right in the middle there. And I think six and eight flip-flops. But other than that, same list, same order they sent in. Uh, but Hobbs and Shaw sense. in the middle of the list is, uh, I think, what I would think is where it's going to sort of be for a lot of people. But we'll find out. This is the first official yeah. ranking. Maybe you and I will rank yeah. later, maybe not. I don't know. I have, I have an idea for my rankings at the end of this lap. I didn't tell you about it yet, but I already I already know what my rankings are going to be. I gave you an idea that I think fits in perfectly with the theme what? that you liked it. It's the ranking them in order of how much you remember about them. That's a really good one. Because Hobbs and Shaw came out, I was inspired to do maybe a little bit different one. And I can do both at this point. It doesn't really matter, but I could do. I could definitely do both. We'll see. I mean, we got time. We got nothing but time. Nothing but time. We, got, we could do one this this episode, possibly. One with Mike, possibly. One on the Relap Recap, possibly. Who knows? That was all the emails. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, send in your rankings, your Hobbs and Shaw thoughts, whatever you want to talk about, sports betting, burgers, tacos, whatever, family yep. at cageclub.me. We have one new rating and one new review since we last checked this, <laughs> because we saw her do it in person from Rachel Thursday, the ultimate Fast and Furious podcast. Never thought I'd want to watch these movies over and over and over, but these guys make it enjoyable. Super funny and never boring. Highly recommend five stars. Thank you, Rachel, for the review. 
on the streets and rock the vote. So the big news since we last recorded is that there are conflicts abounding in this universe. Oh my god, there's so much there's so much in it's so familial. Tyrese calling out the rock, calling out Hobbs and Shaw for its shitty quote, relatively shitty box office returns. Smallest uh, US opening since Tokyo Drift, I believe. Uh, that's rough. It's still going to make a billion dollars. I guarantee you it'll make a billion dollars worldwide. That's what, so this is what this is what um all of my friends were saying. They were like, "Look, like the overseas opening's going to be fucking huge." Cuz it no means I think 120 outside the U.S. and it hadn't opened in China or some other country where like they really drive the worldwide box office. So yeah. it made like 180 or something. It's opening weekend it hadn't opened in like two gigantic markets. So like it's going to make at True. least 800 million, if not more. Yeah, there's no fear that this isn't going to be a box office flop or a tank or whatever. The other conflict, though, a little bit more pressing, Michelle Rodriguez calling out Chris Morgan for his Justice for Han comments. Did we already talk about the Justice for Han thing? Chris Morgan came out and said there is going to be a Justice for Han arc on, um, you know, for Shaw. I don't know if we did or not. Chris Morgan came out, did an interview with, what, Entertainment Weekly or something, right? I have no idea. Some some bigger press, yeah, yeah. Some bigger press like this. Because he wrote Hobbs and Shaw. He's not writing Fast Night, but he wrote Hobbs and Shaw. And he wrote, like, three through eight, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So he came out and he said, look, like, I understand that you guys want Justice for Han, Trust me, it's going to be awesome. I'm doing, you know, like Shaw's character arc will come out in the movie Hobbs and Shaw. He says, like, I've done things that I regret and that I need to, like, pay for something along these lines. He says it to Vanessa Kirby. And he says, like, I put that in there to let you know, like, I'm going to give you justice for Han. Don't worry about it. Like, you'll eventually get there. I'm really excited about where the character's going. And we all got really excited. And, you know, we put it on our Facebook page and Facebook kind of blew up and we were all like this awesome this is awesome this is awesome and then michelle rodriguez is like why are you saying all this basically you're not <laughs> writing the movie and so he, she's like he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a clue where it's going my bigger concern than this infighting <sighs> is that it's being written by a guy who wrote this movie and we talked about this a little bit on theory seven which you'll hear next week written by the guy who wrote kin which is a very bad movie that's what joey said yeah i'm worried about fast nine for that reason there's a probably a grand plan in place as we talk about with our guests next week, they're sort of written by committee anyway. That's true. And also, I think at this point, you and I could probably write the next Fast and the Furious movie. I'm sure it wouldn't be as good as anybody professional could do it. But I'm thinking there's a good, like, like we would maybe take some, like, wild poetic license. For the most part, I think we we could write a Fast and the Furious movie at this point. Probably. Right? So I'm just concerned with that element of it. You're picking at the the, the, the the core of it. Like you're you're worried about the foundation. It's not great to have Michelle Rodriguez, cons- you know, doing all of that. But you know, it is what it is, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, true. Yeah, that was sort of the the big news. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of news about Hobbs and Shaw and stuff like that. But that was the main news that we took away. Fast this Nine is May of next year, and I yep. feel like we started learning stuff last summer about this one. So I feel like. Really, any time now, I mean, we already know John Cena's in it, but like, it could be any time now we're going to start having sort of scoops and stuff like that and things to avoid and yep. things to embrace and things to share. We should get trailers soon, to be honest. Well, I'm honestly surprised that we didn't get a trailer before Hobbs and Shaw. But we got we got Hobbs and Shaw. What, it was the Super Bowl was like the main trailer, right? It was right around then. No, but I mean, like, I'm surprised that they didn't put like a teaser or a trailer in front of Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, well, they just started shooting, dude. So, like, what... But, you know what I mean? You could still do a teaser. You could still put something together. You could still... Yeah, true. Although, not like they need to really sell these movies to people who see Hobbs and Shaw, but at the same time, it would have felt like a... 
push, like, let's, you know, ride off the marketing press of this movie into the next one. You know what I mean? But They should have, if they were smart marketers. Yep, I agree. Because the summer movie season is basically over. There's no real big movies out. No. I don't know that you're no. necessarily going to attach it. Like, I feel like we'll probably get a bunch around Christmas when the, the big Christmas releases come out. Yeah. Maybe one before That's that. That's probably when we'll start getting the trailers. Like, Thanksgiving, Christmassy. Yeah. But, like, you know, Star Wars and, like, everything that's coming out around then, I think we'll, we'll really have uh, maybe the first solid trailers then. But I think news, things from the set... Um, more set pictures and everything like that. So I think it's all gonna it's gonna it's gonna start trickling out. Yeah, it's coming. New lab observations and chain gang we will not do because this is you know basically the first time we're talking movie. about this. We're gonna skip that. But let us talk about the Fast and Furious minute minute ten the minute oh. you named which I liked. I need Nas. I need Nas. Started. You were just fired. Dominic, I appreciate what you did in a big way. Dominic, I owe you. Brian, you're messing with my business. When Dominic drives, he's golden. Kids pour in here, they want everything he has, every performance part, and they pay cash. What did Dominic say? You don't want to know. What did Dominic say? He wants you out of here. He wants me out of here? Yes. And what did you say to Dom? What do you think I said? I told him good help is hard to find. Hey. Relax. I need Nas. I need Nas. No. Yeah, did you like that? I do. The other name that I would consider, but I like yours better, but my backup one is... What did Dominic say? What did Dominic say? <laughs> so we're just doubling down on both of them? Just repeating the repeating lines? I like it. If you're a Patreon and you subscribe and you get the Fast and Furious Minute document, know that Joey, as usual, carries a lot of the weight here. And he usually names the minute. I was all coffee yacked out this morning. And so I took the, the opportunity to name this minute myself. And I'm glad that you enjoy the, the title of it. I do. When you said to me, you would watch this minute before I did. And you said that there were a lot of signs and stuff. I realized, oh, this is probably the minute where we get to Harry's. We get to yes. Racer's Edge. There's not a big minute. But in terms of little details, they are all over. This is sort of like Toretto's Marketing Cafe on steroids. It is. It's like hyper stimulating, too. In this minute, as you heard, Dom, quote unquote, fires Brian from the Racer's Edge. Brian goes back to work. Here's Harry sort of getting Brian's job back. Brian goes back to the office or the bedroom or whatever we want to call that place. Wash his face, get changed. Yes. And they have a fight over, you know, sort of the what's going on with Dom. Brian says he needs Nas. Minute ends. In plot-wise, not a lot happens in this minute. But background, behind the scenes, all this kind of stuff, a lot happens. So before we get into the details... The, the little the little nitty gritties of what's in the scene. The two okay. things I want to point out. The thing the two things I think are most important. Number one, we get the first mention of Nas, which is cool. True, very cool. And number two, I think this is something we talked about that Mike really kind of pointed out, or we had a discussion with Mike on the the ride along lap. There's a real sense of Harry's anguish here that we don't know at this point that Brian's a cop. We don't know that there's a tension there that Harry sort of has to vouch for him. Like Brian literally cannot lose this job. Right? He can't, yeah. And, and so he's putting Harry's reputation on the line by having to cover for him. Harry saying these kids pay cash sort of hints at what Mike was saying or what you were saying to Mike in that conversation. I remember having that, like, might have done some kind of tax evasion, tax fraud kind of thing. Yes. And there's a lot going on here with Harry that I don't necessarily, I, I don't know if I ever thought about before we had that conversation. And now here, watching the minute six or seven times in a row, 
you can see that Harry's really torn up. Like in this one scene, he's shook. He's real shook. He is caught between a rock and a hard place, which is Dom and also the federal government. <laughs> yes, true. Or the cops at this point. Don't, like, you know, Brian's not an FBI agent yet, but he's involved, like, with some higher level copping. So before I get to the uh, clothing, why don't you talk about the uh, the cars, the car details oh, okay, um, cool. that you found. Uh, there's the, the one on the building, the one that obviously Brian is in. So we see Brian hop into the Racer's Edge truck, which we know what that is. I'll get back to there in a second. On the Racer's Edge building, I'm sure you guys know there's a car hanging from the building. In Car Movie Database, there's a lot of argument about what it was. Some people surmise that it was Dino Ferrari, but the consensus came that it's a Kelmark GT. This is a car I hadn't heard of before. Somebody in the post described it as the Kelmark was built in the 1970s and 80s intended for VW bug chassis or custom tube chassis that Kelmark manufactured under their metal fabrication branch, Kelmark Engineering. They were powered by either VW powertrains, Corvair Power, or Kelmark Super Package, a 454 Oldsmobile Toronado front-wheel drive setup. Move to the rear. That's really, really cool. So this is like, you know, you have like a nice, really interesting car perspective from the jump. It seems like it was like kind of a kit car built for VM, uh, for VW Bugs, which is awesome. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And I think that if you and I ever retire to just make Too Fast, Too Forever, mm-hmm. and we have our garage, I think... A Kelmark GT might be the first car we have to build. Do you think that it's a... Because I couldn't really tell. Is that a real car on the garage, or is that like a replica of the car? I think... Not on the garage, but on the the building side. I think it's probably the body of the car. Like, not the frame, not the engine, everything like that, but, like, probably just, like, the body of it. Okay. Because it's it's at a weird, like, sort of forward-tipping angle. Like, it looks like it can't be too heavy, otherwise, like, it would would need, like... Exactly. ...so much reinforcement to stay up there. The other thing is, on the Kelmark GT, the only... There's a few stickers and stuff on it. The only one that I could really make out is it has a PI... AA label on the front of it. Yep. Second, we get to the Racer's Edge truck, and much as I surmised and talked about before, I thought there was going to be a scene where we would get the whole side of the truck and figure out what everything happens here. So we see the Racer's Edge truck. It says high-performance auto parts. It says Racer's, Racer's Edge, sorry. High-performance auto parts. 2710 Hammond, 2M Street, Los Angeles, California, 90033. Phone number on it is 213-555-0157. And you know what this means. Well, we can't call it the 555 number. It's not going to work. Are you sure? Uh, let me try it. I'll try it. It's probably going to do like a doo doo doo. But just give it a shot, man. We got a phone, new phone number. 213-555. What is it? 0157? 0157, yeah. Because yeah, the five, no, five, I mean, the five five five. It's a lazy thing. I know. The thing I noticed about the cars, not these cars specifically, is that in addition to a town car, a black town car out front of Racers Edge, yes, true. There's four neon tuners out front, like you know, people shopping in there. But then I think what's very, this is something that we really talked about in Too Fast, because this is something that we we talked about, like the the uh, John Singleton's idea for this movie, right, uh, for Too Fast. But there are like five other cars in the street, and they're all tan or beige. Like they're like this is like a dusty, dirty street, and like these are the the pops of color are all together, you know, to get ah, outside the race range. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're right. Because you have, like, one black town car and then, like, four tuners right behind it. You play with the, the coloring to make some stuff stand out more. Yeah. Because it's like, this is where the fun, this is where the life is, this is where the vibrancy is, the rest of it. Like, it's not only the visual cue to where to direct your eye, as though you're not going to follow the truck pulling in anyway, but yeah. that's where you're looking. The rest of it is all muted. And it's like, that's not 
we don't need to worry about that. Like, yeah, the action is here, the life is here, this is what you should care about. Cool, so yeah, there's a bunch of different things if you want to run through quickly. The uh, the stickers, the labels, everything you saw, oh, inside, God, outside. so many. Okay, I'm going to go through them right wanna, now. I mean, I don't guys. know if it's really worth reading. I mean, this could be a Patreon exclusive if you want to get the labels. Can I talk about some cool things that I saw? The thing that I'm Just bolding, point out some cool the thing ones. That I'm I think is really cool. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I, I put this in there. Um, You you filled in more. I added a couple things. because we don't. It's, it's not clear what this one thing is, but I think it's definitely the, one of the cooler little details. On the counter, right in front of the computer, it, to me it looked like stickers. You're saying possibly it's a postcard or or some kind of calendar or something on the counter, and it just says "mob." boost like all over it which is really really funny because you know we know that boost and turbos are a big part of fast and the furious the other thing that i saw that was really cool that i just wanted to point out there is a sign in passing and i was trying to figure out what it was and it's called it's called troy lee designs okay and it's still available and they make like custom like racing helmets and helmets for like dirt bikes and stuff, which obviously they would use too if they're street racers, you know, if they're like in the Hector almost pro am circuit or whatever. Cool. So yeah, and he makes really cool helmets. So you know, you see the sign for them, and then you pass a helmet afterwards. Just as a tidbit for the background, Craig Lieberman had talked about this scene before, and he was saying how he would just have to call all of the sponsors. So we see a lot of repeated signage and stuff like that, and he would call all of the companies and be like, hey, we need to fill the racer's edge with parts and stuff. Can you just, like, don't, like, loan us a bunch of parts? We'll put them in the movie. We'll put up all your signs. it's a big shop, and there's a lot in there. There is. There's not, like, a ton. No, but, I mean, like, it's, Can, it just to fill the space, full. to make it look like an actual shop requires a lot of... Yeah, so he was like, we obviously couldn't buy all the parts for the cars that go in there, but I'm sure that, like, guys that we see repeated, like, HKS and, and all of these kind of guys were donating parts, NAS, for sure. Yeah. They were, like, donating parts, and that's why we see this, like, repeated signage all over you the You think shop. NAS donated? I didn't, I, didn't see any, uh, in, I didn't see any hints that NAS was available in the store, other than, like, really? literally around every corner and every sign. Like, everything is NAS. <laughs> yes, sorry. I didn't know you were... I was like, are you high? Like NAS refills available here. Like, yeah. every sign in Brian's room is all NAS. Like, he's saying, he's shouting NAS. Like, it's literally everywhere. Yes. Yeah, it is. Which, True. maybe it was real. Maybe it's just, like, you know, who donated the most, but... Yeah, it's, it's all no. over the place. I mean, Nas is an important part of the movie, and I'm sure that they donated a ton, and, like, they had to, like, wash their hand. Like, they kind of had to, like, handshake about it somehow, you know? Yeah. No music in this minute, sadly, sadly. Oh, that's true. I didn't even notice that, dude. One of the coolest sign things that I'm going to point out, and if you have the Fast and the Furious minute, you'll see, is that there's a sign above Brian's where his bed is that, you know, eventually we know that he wakes up with Mia on, and it just says Ignited. So I was trying to figure out what this was. I was doing some searches. Ignited is the name of, like, an after-party for SEMA. Do you know what SEMA is? No, I know a different SEMA that's related to my work, and that's all I can think of right now. SEMA is, like, the biggest, like, tuner parts convention, and it happens in Vegas every year. Maybe I do know. Okay, then I do know SEMA. It's the same SEMA. Okay. Is it? Well, because we're involved in the trade show. We do CES out there, so I know that people talk about SEMA, because I think SEMA is one of the bigger trade shows that Vegas puts on. Yes, it is. It's huge. Like, CES, CES is the biggest one in the world, but SEMA is also, you know, for sure one of the bigger ones. Zach's cousin goes out there for SEMA. It's like where all the tuners come up. You know, this is where, like, they premiere new parts, new whatever, whatever, whatever. Ignite is the name of the after party at SEMA, and I'm assuming that that sign was a SEMA after party sign because they still use a similar logo. They've updated it since, obviously. I was thinking that that's what this is, and it would make sense that Brian has a car parts 
after-party poster in his room, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what I was just thinking. I, I dug a little bit, and I think that's what happened. Clothing. Uh, Harry's got the bowling-style button-down shirt. He's got blue with two vertical white stripes. Just looks like a shirt you go bowling in. There is sort of an Asian sales clerk, just this uh, woman in a pink shirt, a uh, black or gray miniskirt. She's holding a black clipboard, talking to a customer. Yep. Uh, we don't. We only see it for like a, maybe half a second. Gray shirt, plaid checker down, button down. There's another customer who's mostly obscured. And then for Brian, changes from the black shirt to the gray shirt. Get a little bit of a shirtless Paul Walker here. Shirtless Ooh. P walks. That was that's the minute. Yeah, that's about all of it. Trust me, this section of the minute document is way more full than we talked about. Lots of links and stuff. So, do we know what the next minute's gonna be? I really don't, dude. This is like the first one that I'm not sure about. You really got me there. As you heard, the scene ends with him saying, "Nas, I need Nas." You know, my car yeah. topped out. Blah blah blah, and then it cuts off. So I don't remember. Oh, you know, I know exactly what it is. What is it? It's he shows up to the race where Dom's at. Oh, so get, he's gonna. Yep, you, and he's, he gonna, he's gonna lose the race. You, you almost, I almost had you. That yep, one. Yep, that's he goes straight from I need Nas, I need Nas to pulling up and I smell skanks, everything like that. That's what's okay. happening next. Cool. Yeah. Maybe there'll be another minute, a buffer minute in between. We'll see. But next week on Fury no, Seven, gonna, the next that's gonna be like seven minutes. Minute. It's gonna be first them all pulling up. Oh, but we're gonna have the uh, the party scene where you're gonna be busy with. Uh, I'm gonna be busy with clothes, and you're gonna be busy with cars. True. Well, Joe, let's take a quick internal break so we can hear Wes's Ooh. wonderful sort of commercial break music, and we'll be right back. No guest. You and I are gonna come back to talk about Hobbs and Shaw. Welcome back. Just, I just want to say that was a good stop. Thank you, Wes, for that awesome music. Welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. This is episode number... Kick it to me, Joey. 43. Oh, wait. Yes, 43. Episode number 43. This episode's brought to you by Girl Scout of America, specifically the cookies. Did you know that Girl Scout cookies are so much more than just a sweet treat? That's right. Every box you buy helps power unique and amazing experiences for the awesome girls who sell them. It also gives the opportunity for her to learn essential life skills, soar in confidence, and quickly discover the leader within. hoo They have a great time <laughs> doing it, too, and they couldn't do it without you. Sweet! Sweet. Girl Scout cookies. Well, thank you, Girl Scouts of America. We haven't really talked about it. We didn't talk about it in the beginning. Do you have a favorite Girl Scout cookie? I want to tell you this. I'm glad you brought it up now. When I was a kid, Samoas are my favorite. Sure. Right? They're fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my grandma, my mom... I would be like, oh, man, we need to get, like, 10 boxes of Samoas. They'd be like, nah, we're going to get some Thin Mints. We're going to get some Trefoils. And I'd be like, what the fuck are these people doing? Right. Samoas is the only right answer here. As I've gotten older, I can eat maybe two Samoas total. Yeah. And I can eat a whole box of Thin Mints and multiple boxes of Trefoils, just like the shortbread ones. So I grew up on the... uh... I don't remember what they're called. I think they're just like, it, there's two different peanut butter ones. There's the peanut butter crackers, which are kind of, the, they're not. Tagalongs. Those were fine. The peanut butter patties. The and peanut tag-alongs. butter patties were my favorite. Tagalongs are peanut butter patties, yeah. No, I'm talking about there's like a peanut butter, like sort of crackery. Like there's like a, what? not, yeah, there's like a different are one. There's like, it's sort of not I don't crackery. Think they have it's anymore. like, it's almost like peanut butter between shortbread. Oh, dosey dos? That's a new name. Peanut butter sandwich. You said peanut yes. butter sandwich. 
God, this is so weird that you had different names for these. I'm learning yeah. so much. We're learning a lot about each other right we're now. not that far apart, but it, apparently different regions, different cookie regions. Yeah. So I grew up on the peanut butter patties, the you know the basically the Reese's peanut butter cup of Girl Scout cookies. Dosey dos, yeah. When I realized I liked coconut, I was like all about the caramel delights. Does some some Samoas. 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 I feel like now, so I don't get the trefoils. I don't get the shortbread because oh, they're so I fucking good. Can't dude. no. The reason is because I can't <laughs> not eat a sleeve. <laughs> That's true. If I open a sleeve of trefoils, I'm eating the entire sleeve like a wood chipper. Like I'm just the whole thing. This reminds me of specifically wood chipper that Brian Regan, one of my favorite, maybe the I best know. comedian. I know. That's what I was saying too. Fig Newton yep. serving size yep. two cookies. No, I no, eat no, no, Fig no, Newton's no, no, no. a sleeve. <laughs> Yeah, um, like a wood chipper. Da, a, da, 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 da. Yeah, that's why I was thinking so of I wood chippers too, brother. Don't yep. get those because I have no. I don't have great food <laughs> self control anyway. But those specifically, I can't not eat a sleeve because they're not like sweet enough to make you not want them. No, they're just like perfectly sweet enough that you just it's can the keep perfect eating Girl Scout them. cookie. Yeah, I agree, man. You just have to get that's that's what being an adult is like. It's realizing that shortbread. <laughs> Is the best Girl Scout cookie. It is. I felt so old when I asked my mom. She's like, do you want some hoes? And I was like, can you just send trefoils? And she was like, who are you? I was like, I don't know. I'm my mother's son. I, d- I don't remember. <laughs> I think I talked about it either on here or a different podcast. But I learned Walmart sells store brand, essentially Girl Scout cookies for like $2. And they taste identical. And they have... No way. Are I, you, I, are told, you serious? I told you this for sure. You did. But I don't believe it still. They do the Samoas. Probably thin. I think thin mints for sure. I think there's one Probably other one. Like, they don't mints. have yeah. the full suite, but the Walmart that I've gone to, the one by me, has at least two or three. What are they called? Can you give me like the? Can you send me a picture of them at least, uh, so I know what they are? Girl Scout cookie. So if you do Walmart Girl Scout cookie, the first autocomplete is knockoffs. <laughs> okay. Yes. So they, so clever naming as great value caramel coconut fudge cookies. I thought they were going to be called like tall breads and no. like and like Hawaii's or something like that. So that's that one. There's also they're dollar 43 online for the package. What? So they're even cheaper than Girl Scout. This is a scam. This one also, is this one's 98 Walmart. cents. This is the great value fudge covered peanut butter filled cookies. Girl Scout cookies are 4 or $5. The proceeds go to them. This is just Walmart yeah. cutting out the middleman. Middleman is the Girl Scouts. Yo, fuck Walmart for this. But man, What's they're, they're available is this all year. You're like skimming off the top on a fucking charity event? You assholes. Yeah, these are tagalongs. Fudge covered peanut butter ones are just tagalongs, man. They're God, available all year long. At your local Assholes. Walmart. Okay, so Hobbs and Shaw. So here, I know that you took a page of handwritten notes. A full page. A full page. What I did is just twice during the movie, then once as soon as the credits opened. I just took out my phone. I, I walked out to the sides, the back side of the theater, and I just jotted down a handful of things. That's very classy of you. What I want to do it. is I want to talk about five or six things I want to talk about, like sort of in depth. And then I sort of want to, you know, go through your list and go through the rest of my list and sort of do then not the not the smaller things, but the things that are like more observations. But I think there's a handful of cool. things okay. that I want to sort of establish a baseline of what we think, what it could be, and sort of go from there. Then you lead in this tango, brother. First off, let's talk about Brixton. Let's talk about Idris Elba. Let's talk about the people's Elba. So we've coined this. I've said it online. We haven't said it here yet. I know you guys are awesome at adopting all the dumb shit that we say. Please, from here on out, I would like him to be known as the people's Elba. Yep. You write in, just refer to the people's elbow. We'll know who you're talking about. Most likely, he is probably not coming back because he gets decommissioned. He falls into the water. We don't really see him dead, dead, but we, he's 
probably he's dead. He's pretty dead. Yeah. He's like 95% dead. What do you think of uh, Idris in this movie? I like him. I'm glad that he got to use his English voice. I was surprised when he sort of... Sp- I mean, like, I shouldn't have been, but, like, I know he's British, but the thing I most know him from... Well, I guess also the Thor movies, but, like, Stringer. Like, you know, he's just such a good actor. Like, when he spoke in his British accent, like, his normal voice, I was just like, oh, right, okay. Did you like the character of Brixton? I feel like Brixton is more of an idea than a character. I agree. I think that Brixton, in that regard, though, I think Brixton is more of a character than Cypher. I think Cypher is also an idea. Because I think just based on screen time and based on interactions and based on actually doing things instead of click-clacking the keyboards, I think Brixton is a better character. But I think he's just a representation of, like, one way... Bad guy. That, well, not even bad guy, but, like, one way that this franchise could go, one way that this world could go in terms of, like, genetically modified humans. And I yeah. think that he is the face of that movement. And whether or not we stick with that or whether or not the mysterious voice, which we'll get to, goes in a different direction, I think that he's more of an idea than a character. But I think he's cool, and I think he is... Idris is just awesome as an actor, so I think he was well, great yeah. Yeah, in the movie. We love him. I think that he carries it really, really well. I think that what you're saying, that he might be like a bionic man, the yep. black Superman, mm-hmm. all of these genetically modified humans, these type of thi- not genetically, but like bioengineerically modified humans, is a really cool concept to play with. I agree with you. I don't know if they'll carry it out, but dude, Idris is just cool, and he's badass. He's riding a motorcycle that's like Kit. Like, the whole character is very almost James Bond, almost Knight Rider, almost Bionic Man. You know what I mean? Like, he's just badass, dude. So, like, my love of him supersedes any judgment I could have on the right. character. Yep. Unless it sucked really bad, I don't think that I could hate on it. I don't want to say the worst part of the movie. I think maybe the weakest part of the movie or the, the part that I mentally check out already, and I'm going to probably every time I see this, and that this is something, when, when you listen, when you hear the Furious 7 episode, something you kind of joked about that you finally knew what was going on in that movie. And I was talking yes. to Melissa about this last night, and I was just saying, you and I both tune out when there's, like, exposition and plot and describing what's going on. Like, we get a sense of what's going on. But in yes. this movie, the scene where Hobbs and Shaw are chained up, and there's, like, an eight-minute scene where, Hot, where, where Brixton's explaining his plan. Yeah. The Mick Jagger, But, like, yeah. before Hattie, before Vanessa Kirby shows up, the, like explaining of what's going on, I'm like, oh, this is so long. It feels so long. Yeah, he could have summed it up a little quicker. I agree with you. I, and that's not Idris's fault. That's not Brixton, the character's fault. That's I writing. think that's just, yeah, that's just like a, it's the same thing in like everything, in, in every Fast and Furious movie, at least in the back half since five, right? It's like, we need to sort of unveil the plan. When he's like, you know, most people can't handle more than four shocks and then Hobbs is like, I think we got five in us. I was like, oh, we're going to be here for a while. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yep, we're exactly. going to pace this out. And so I think that's the part, and that's sort of like his big monologue moment, right? And that's where he's, it is. this is who it I is am. This thing. is why I'm yep. doing what I'm doing. I don't, I don't need to know all this. Like, I just kind of, you know, I, I understand that that actually is literally what the movie's about, but True. I just kind of don't need that. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. And I also do feel like we were talking about on the, uh, I think we are talking about on the on the initial episode, I would not be surprised if there's another like 10 or 15 minutes of this movie. I feel like we're going to get more of that kind of stuff. We're going to get like, way more. Explanation yep. of things. There was also one, I don't remember what the line was, but there's some line where I think it was like Hobbs and Shaw, oh no, they were talking to, I think it was the scene where Hobbs and Shaw and Hattie are talking to that like Russian scientist or whatever. Yes, and you know who he is? I don't, maybe? You probably don't know. Zach pointed out to me, Zach made some really astute observations when I saw the movie okay. with him last night. That is the brother from Ray Donovan. Oh, I've never seen a minute of Ray Donovan. It's cool. It's, it's kind of a show that I think that 
you might I wouldn't tell you to like watch it, but I think that you'd probably like it. It's it's a show about a fixer. Ray Donovan's brother is the Russian scientist in this okay. movie. Because he looked familiar. I'm sure I've seen him in things, but he's been in plenty of things. That's where we knew him from. That's where like I, I was recognizing when I saw it with you. You gotcha. didn't mention anything to me. Zach and I were watching and he's like, Oh, it's Ray Donovan's brother. I was like, Oh shit, that's exactly who Did I Rachel know see him this from. with you again last night or no? No, she didn't. She stayed she, home and right. had a glorious, fantastic lady day. A day without you and without Fast and the Furious. A day without me, a day without Zach, a day without Fast and the Furious. She was living the dream. I think she just slept on the couch for three hours. <laughs> it was in that scene where the uh, scientist is describing to them the two options. Either you kill and burn Hattie, or you go yeah, to burn this her. facility, you can't get her out, whatever. And they're talking back and forth, and there's like this one cut, and it's not jarring, but like it's a little jarring where like it feels like he answers a different question. And I was like, oh, this is like a much longer scene that they cut stuff uh, out of. And I feel like it's just going to be like, okay. sort of like things like that. You know what I mean? I didn't gonna, notice that. It, it's, yeah. it's a very minor thing, and I don't know that, I don't think most people would, but I, when I'm sort of in my mind thinking like they probably cut this down from a longer thing where would that have been i think it's stuff like that you know what i mean it's funny just because we were taught the day before we were talking about uh, kate's take on where she thought that happened in seven and so i'm sure you had it on the brain a little bit yeah not that you wouldn't have noticed it without that but we had just been talking about it so mm-hmm. listen to the next episode do you have anything else to say about brixton i think that his self-driving motorcycle is awesome i do have i have something to say it's it's minor and tangential i posted it i don't know if you watched it yet or not but the idris elba fat hot ones where it's kind of like promo for this was awesome he talks about himself his love of hip-hop him djing him rapping his time on the wire all of this kind of stuff. So obviously we're big Idris Elba fans beyond Fast and the Furious to a point that you don't even know. Go watch the hot ones. That's all that I have to say about Idris Elba. And yes. Yeah. Let me see if I have any more in my notes real quick. Nope, that's it. Okay. Now let's talk about Hattie. Let's talk about Vanessa Kirby. I think... Okay, cool. Top line, headline, the coolest character that this series has introduced since Deckard, if not earlier. Like, I think the character, I think the performance, I think everything about her is awesome. They haven't really introduced too many people in Seven, like, you know, sort of people here and there a little bit. Yeah. But I think in several movies, she is the by far the best introduction, the best new character, the best all around, like, the, the most excited I am about something new in this world. Because I feel like the fact that she is, number one, a woman, and there's, there you know, there's a lot of women in, in here, but the fact that That's she's a competent say. woman who is you know, badass and fights. And also one thing the, I did the, not notice. The Rock says it, man. He says, he says like, your sister's the most badass. Competent woman I've ever, one of Competent ever, woman yeah. I've ever worked with. And she is. They they didn't have to girl her up. She's gorgeous, obviously, but she didn't have to play dainty. She didn't have to play a damsel. Like, she's just a badass chick that can run with Deckard, can run with Hobbs. And no forgiveness. It's awesome. Speaking of running, I want to give Jordan credit. Jordan does not listen to these podcasts, but if she ever does, this is credit to Jordan. But Jordan said what she loved about the character. She loved the character in general because she just loved Vanessa. She loved all of that. But she said one thing that she really loved was that she took her heels off to run. And she's like, so many movies have women in heels just running. And she said that little detail was enough to make her be like, oh, that's real in a way that like a lot of movies don't do. I would never have known that without Jordan saying it, but I've heard so many girls comment on women running in heels. I've seen so many girls take their heels off to run. Like in all of these situations, that's awesome. As a man, that's not on my mind. Thank you, Jordan, for pointing it out. 
But yes, that's dope. Awesome. I do think it's funny, not on the other side of the coin, but I think it's funny the first time we see her, she's in the helicopter, she's with the rest of MI6, and she's got like pristine, beautiful makeup. Like you could see, it feels like you could see each eyelash individually. Like she is like beautifully decked out to do a mission. It's like, well, it doesn't feel exactly realistic, but you know, it works. Can I tell you my big cool thing that I have to give all the credit to Zach about? Yes. So we watched the movie the first time. I'm going to take just a tiny tangential part. Shaw throughout the beginning of the movie is driving McLaren. Yes. Mm -hmm. They get to the Etion headquarters. And Zach taps me. He's like, you know what that is? It's Chernobyl. No. Well, it's, I think it's supposed to be reminiscent of Chernobyl. Th- that's the warehouse research center. The headquarters, when they first come in and you first hear the voice, yep. Etion headquarters is actually the headquarters of McLaren. Oh, Huh. It was only a thing that I can only imagine Zach would know. I didn't catch it. I'm not the, the hugest, hugest, hugest car guy, obviously. I dabble. Zach saw the headquarters of Etion and goes, that's the McLaren headquarters. So I went back, and, and I believed him, but I went back and double-checked today, and it is a 1,000% the McLaren headquarters. And when I was doing my research about it, looking at pictures and stuff like that, so the front scene, when you see it, and they're all kind of in that panel, do you remember the scene that I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, sitting structure, you see the voice for the first it's time? It's sort of like an old-timey uh, hospital in the round, like an observation Agreed. room. The facade of that building is definitely the McLaren headquarters. Okay. I also think, I'm not 100% sure, the two white hallways that Hobbs and Shaw fight down, Yep. I think that they're in McLaren too. And it would make sense that a couple of these set pieces would be in McLaren. Although in the movie, you know, the headquarters in one place, the Chernobyl kind of place is somewhere else, and the hallways in the beginning of the Chernobyl kind of place... But I think that that's actually a hallway slash garage type place in McLaren's headquarters. That's very cool. It was something I would never have guessed. And it's a really cool car. Like, if you're a car guy, that's an Easter egg that, like, you would really get excited about. And Zach was excited about it. He told me about it. I was psyched when I heard it, but I didn't catch it myself. Because I was saying to you today when I was, you said that Zach had this ultimate tidbit at sort of our cars, whatever. And I said, is it about the McLaren that Statham's driving? Because when I was watching for the first time, I was admiring the car because I could tell it was sort of like a British-y. Like there's a certain there's there's only yeah. a handful of manufacturers that could make a car that looks that pretty, right? I was like, I wonder what car that is, and almost instantaneously, movie cuts to a close up of the grill. Shot. McLaren. It feels like in those scenes, not that it's important, that it was clearly Hobbs and Shaw on the front, and then Hattie was sitting in the back, but she's like leaning all the way forward to like make it look like she's sitting between them. But like, there's no way she would fit in that the, the front. Rock, Statham, and her all fit in two seats. No yeah. way. The Rock barely fits in that car by himself. I wonder how they did that. Yeah, I don't know. And it's ooh, yeah, he's a, he's a big he's a big man. He's a big man. He's a juicy boy to use our parlance. For what sure. I do want to talk about with regards to Hattie, and I think this is sort of not a shortcoming of the movie, but sort of a uh, an unfortunate timing of events, and this is something that somebody had, one of the people I follow on Letterboxd, wrote about in his review. The fact that Mission Impossible Fallout exists does this movie no favors. I've never seen Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout is amazing. I know you don't generally like action yeah, movies, people but say Fallout, that I'm Fallout not is a like big a action movie guy. transcendent. Like, it's incredible. I believe you. Taylor says the same, like, the guy, the, one of the kids that I work with, he is a thousand percent with you. He says that, much like Fast and the Furious, they've taken a turn, and I, I trust his taste, because he is tastes very similar to mine yeah i hadn't seen it because it's just not on my radar dude i'm i'm fast and furious so here's the thing so i talked about when she first when we first caught news that vanessa kirby joined the movie vanessa kirby is in fallout mission impossible obviously tied to mi6 that is who vanessa kirby works for here also there is i'm sure you've seen just from commercials and trailers and stuff like that there's the scene in fallout where 
Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill are wearing the sort of the the same suits, essentially, the skydiving that Hobbs suits. and Shaw are wearing in this movie, and they jump out of a plane, and they land uh, on like a, a building in France. Uh, There's like a handful of like the set pieces here where it's like, oh, this movie that like blew people's minds that came out literally one year ago is already being recycled and not done as well. Like, not that this is doing it poorly, uh, but it's just the fact that like Fallout was so goddamn good. It's sort of like Fury Road. Like, nobody's really done what Fury Road can do because or what Fury Road did because nobody can do what it yeah. did. But, like, it would Agreed. be like if a year after Fury Road came out, you saw, like, a car chase, and you're like, oh, they took that thing from Fury Road, but, like, Fury Road's perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no, it's I feel you. disappointing. I benefited greatly by not seeing sure. Fallout then. And it's not the same. Like, the, the plot is different everything like that, but it's just unfortunate a little bit that there's so... There's a, more than a handful of, like, strong ties, strong themes. connections, strong similarities yeah. just a year apart. But... That said, you know, this is new to the franchise. Jordan was saying about how this felt like the same movie, and I was like, well, it, to me, it feels wildly different. There's nothing in this movie that I've never seen before, but in terms of in the this world... context. Yes. Yes. In terms of the nine movies now that we're watching three times a year, this is wildly new territory. I agree, yeah. Another important thing about Hattie, and I didn't think about it the first time, she also has a necklace. She's got that pin, that yes. key on her necklace that yes. even later in the movie, Decker says to her something along the lines of like, you know, put, put, the, pin put, back the, pin, on. put the pin back on. Yeah. Brain on the necklace watch. And here, different necklace, equally important, maybe family heirloom. Yeah, well, it is because he said he gave her that necklace. He said, you still have that old thing or that dumb thing or something like that. Deckard had given her a necklace and it's a family heirloom necklace continuing through their family. I like the the, the closeted, the hidden type of mirroring they do between the two families, right? Like, we're seeing a lot more of that in Hobbs and Shaw, which I really like. Is like, you get all the family aspects from Shaw. You mean between the Shaw family and the Toretto family, or Shaw and Hobbs. Yes, exactly. exactly. You get a lot of, like, the Shaw and the Dom mirroring. Okay. And even even the Hobbs mirroring. My, my dad was a criminal and, like, all of these kind of things. We're starting to get that overlap where they can be like, these guys are kind of all the same. Yep. One might be a spy. One might work for the government. One might be a criminal. But in reality, they all have the same morals. And when you start putting on them on the same moral ground, it's what we knew, but they're confirming it, you know? Yeah. And I want to get, we're going to get into sort of Hobbs' family in a little bit, I think. But anything else you want to talk about with Hattie, with Vanessa Kirby? I'm just excited for her to come back. I want her in every Dude. movie from here on out. Um, I think her character's awesome. I think the portrayal's awesome. I want more of her in this, in this franchise. Because we know there is possibly a girl spinoff, please God put her with Letty and Mia and Ramsey. They need a foursome of those four. That's who I want to see. And when she fucking crushed this role so hard, I can't wait to see those four together. And like, I was already putting her in the girl spinoff in my head. She's going to be perfect for this. She's such a badass. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. In a franchise that we obviously love, but has sort of maybe been feeling a bit stale, I think she's a breath of fresh air in very exciting ways. And I just want more of... Same, dude. Her, or just like more ideas and more characters like her. She's my pick for for the only character I want ported back to Nine. Ooh, yeah. There's a good chance that she's not going to be in Nine. I don't think so, but yes. She's my pick that, like, if I wanted them to add someone back in Nine or into Ten, Vanessa Kirby's the only one that you need to add back. I think Hobbs and Shaw are fine on their own, I think that, she, but I think that she could play in the girl one, in the Nine and Ten, 
and in Hobbs and Shaw too, and she could be like a really solid addition to this team because that's how much I loved her. For better or worse, I think everybody in this movie, aside from the three of them, is basically going to fade away. I think that they're, you know, Helen Mirren's going to come back. I think yeah. we're talk about in a little bit are going to come back, but I feel like those three are obviously the three that are going to be like the face of Hobbs yep. and Shaw two or whatever. I agree. Someone I want, I think you want too. We talked about uh, Madame M, played by Isaac Gonzalez of the. Uh, yes. Baby Driver franchise, Baby Baby Driver movie. Is that where she's from? I didn't realize where she's from. She's also on the From Dust Till Dawn TV show that is either still on or got canceled. I watched a couple episodes of and I was like, no, I don't need to watch this. But I know her from mostly from Baby Driver. My problem with her in this movie is that she's only in like two scenes. She's not in it, dude. You know what it kind of felt like to me? And I was thinking about this before we were recording. I, you know, I was kind of collecting my thoughts about this movie. You know, my theory that they kind of, like, wait for fan feedback. And I was thinking they were kind of, like, dipping their toe in the water, like, seeing what people thought about her in the movie, kind of like a screen test. And I really liked her. I don't I know who she was... wouldn't like her, though. She's, she's, she's mysterious. But they didn't give her enough. She's mysterious. She's beautiful. She's yes. got a tie to Shaw. She's badass, too. When they announced that, like, she joined the franchise, I was like, where's she going to show joined. up? And she shows up, and then she's just like... Here's your stuff. Five minutes. Here's dude. my, you know, here I'm going to turn her in for your part of your like plan. Like one set piece. And I'm gone. That's it. She's only in, like, one complete set piece. Like, she's in the, like, we needed this stuff. She collects it for Shaw. She kisses him. She turns Vanessa Kirby in to move the story along, and she's gone. So she is Madame M. Margarita. He sort of slurred it in the way that he sort of slurs, and also in his British yes. accent, I couldn't tell, but... I caught it last night, yeah. Madame I, when Margarita. I was watching it for the second time, that's what, he just calls her yeah. Margarita. Yeah. But she's cool. I want more of her, please, and thank you. Also gorgeous, too. So. Yes. Yes. I want to talk about the trio of basically cameos. We have the biggest one is obviously Ryan Reynolds. Then we also have Kevin Hart as the uh, air marshal. And then we have okay. Rob Delaney as Shaw's handler. So why don't we talk about, yes. let's, talk, let's talk about Ryan Reynolds first, uh, who tells us that Hobbs's middle name is Rebecca. This is what I had in my notes, too. Do you think his name is really, like, his middle name is, he doesn't refute it. No, and he calls him Becky, too. Like, I think that's just Lucas Rebecca Hobbs. Is it? Like, I talked about this with my friends. They had a lot of mixed reviews about Ryan Reynolds in it. Obviously, like we're saying, is that they let him play Deadpool. He's playing Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. You can take that two different ways. For me... I really liked it. I liked him as the humor backbone. Yeah. I like Deadpool. I like Ryan Reynolds. It wasn't as jarring slash irritating that some of my, that some other people I talked to about it said it was for them. But I think that's like a little, you know, flavor of the, like what you enjoy. And I liked him like, you know, screwing around, calling him Rebecca, being grotesque in front of Hobbs's daughter, mm -hmm. these kind of things. I liked him in this. I didn't I really did not like Deadpool 2 at all. I liked the first one a lot. I didn't like the second one a lot. Yes, I, I know think that. that this is less Deadpool and more just Ryan Reynolds like as I think that he is Deadpool. Kind of. Just like almost in real life he's Deadpool. But I think like, you know, this is a less profane character. This is a less Yes, true. aggressive character. Um, the less violent. I mean, even though he does stab a guy in the chest with a brick at the end, it's a less violent character. I think. I think he's fun. I think he works in this world. I think he and, and the Rock, uh, he and Hobbs work together well. I think it could probably be a little bit better. But I think that it it it's a breath of fresh air in a movie that is sometimes too serious. Probably. I think that he comes in with a little bit of levity, and I think it, it's a nice balance. Awesome that you said this because I went to go see this with you, mm -hmm. and I said when I came out of the movie and we said it in the you know the post movie recording that I think that this is probably one of the most fast, fun, and furious movies mm -hmm. that came out since five or six. It's probably yep. the most 
fun. When my buddy Adam went to go see the movie, you know, I was coming back, I was talking to them about it Thursday night, saying it was so much fun and how, how much I liked it and stuff like that. He went to go see it, I think, Friday or Saturday or something. And he was like, oh, I saw it. And, and we started texting outside the group so we didn't spoil anything. And I said, how'd you feel about it? He was like, I liked it, but it wasn't great. And I was like, why? And he's like, it wasn't serious enough for me. And I was like, that's an interesting take. You know what I mean? Because it's not the family. Like, Wait, he thought it was too silly? Yes, he thought it was too silly, t- not as grounded or serious as Fast and Furious. But I was like, but look, dude, they never pitched it as a serious movie. This isn't in the chronology. Like, this isn't Fast and Furious 9. If this was Fast and the Furious 9 and Dom is all of a sudden, like, dicking around with Deadpool and Kevin Hart, I'd be like, uh, maybe that doesn't really fit, you know what I mean? Like, the, the trajectory that they're going there. For them to have a spinoff that's going to be Hobbs and Shaw, that's fine with me. Like, they didn't pitch it as a serious Fast and the Furious movie. It's a spinoff. So I was expecting it to be a little bit sillier, a little bit more fun, a little bit more loose. It didn't bother me. Because I've seen actually the opposite, that I saw a thing on the AV Club that said Hobbs and Shaw is what? not nearly as fun as it should be. Well, fun is my personal perspective, yeah. I think that there's a lot of this where it is obviously fun and silly and goofy and over-the-top action and everything like that, but I think that there's just still that like yeah. sense of these are the most important movies that sometimes can play a little bit the Fast and Furious like I think that when no, the movies when the movies embrace the silliness and sort of keep it grounded I think it's at its best but when it when it tries to make it feel like this is like a movie with gravitas balance it with you know Ryan Reynolds calling him Becky I think sometimes it like loses the tone a little bit I don't think it did that for me though did it do that for you I think it got a little too serious at times you think that Hobbs and Shaw still got a little too serious mm-hmm. I, and I also don't know what, how we can give a pass to fucking Infinity Wars and Endgame and also have Ant-Man exist in the same realm. Just for comparison, right? As we're recording this, it just came out today, last this past Friday for you listening. Um, I was just on HTML Husbands Talking More or Less with Nico and Kevo, and I was yeah. talking about because they, they finished, they talked about Spider-Man, and they're, before they go on to the next, they're going to cover Alien. Before they do that, they're sort of like counting down or sort of saying farewell to the MCU. Okay. So they had me and a couple other people on to talk about the movies, and we talked about how it doesn't work for me when I watched everything like back to back to back, seeing Infinity War and then going to Ant-Man and the Wasp, or seeing Ultron and going to Ant-Man, yes. or seeing Endgame and going to Spider-Man, that it doesn't feel like, there's, there's sort of no way to do it, but it feels too light and too silly after we just saw it. And I know you kind of have to do that, but it doesn't work. I remember really liking the first Ant-Man, and then when I watched all 20 of the movies or whatever earlier this year, sort of like in quick succession, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't like this movie like at all. Like, I think it's fun as a movie, but I think within the scope of Marvel, within the scope of the MCU, it's like one of the three or four worst ones. That surprised me. This is why I was saying, for me, the only comparison that I can draw to the Fast and the Furious at this point, right now, just like in scope, in what it means to the world, and they're both new and right here, Ant-Man and Infinity Wars to like Fast 7 and 8 and Hobbs and Shaw. People loved Ant-Man. From the, everybody that I talked to, and they gave it a pass that it's like a fun reprieve, breath of fresh air, but it kind of exists in the world. And like for you to tell me that Hobbs and Shaw isn't as serious or not serious enough for you, this is why I'm like, well, you can't have both. It has to be one or the other. Like you have to like both or you have to not like both. 
I do like both. I just think that for what this movie, like, I, I just think that this movie, I'm sort of being critical of, like, I, I really enjoy this movie. This is a movie that I, we've talked about that I'm very excited to see three times a year forever. Yeah. But I think this movie should be half an hour shorter. I think it should be even lighter and more fun than it is. I don't think it's, I don't think it's too heavy, though. To me, it is light and fun. The things they just had to pack in, like, you know, those long action set pieces that are part of the franchise now that they built up to, that was as much as we could get. I think, like, the Mick Jagger part and, like, all the banter. I think we need more of that. Like, I think that works really well. I think that when we when we sort of drift away from that, no pun intended on drift, I think it sort of loses its focus a little bit. Like, I think this is meant to be sort of a palate cleanser, and I think that it, it gets bogged down too much sometimes in, like, a we're saving the world because this is something that, they like... They still have to save the world, dude. That's, like, just how it goes. I don't know. What would be the main plot of the movie if Hobbs and Shaw weren't saving the world at this point? What could they have been doing that would have put them together. I don't know. I mean, I think that you need yeah. to get them together in the same place. I think there needs to be something big enough. Or it I think, has to be save the world. Or I think they could run into each other. I don't. It doesn't. I don't think it has to be save the world. I think that like. So what else is it? That's what I'm asking you. I personally can't come up with a better. Like it has to be that they're they're coming together. To save I just. The world. So here, here's, here's my problem me. with it. I think the main franchise has gotten to a point where every movie they have to save the world because that's just what they were doing. I don't like that this yes. movie felt the need to compete with that already. Like, they could have, in some way, and I don't know what, set the bar lower. I think the other way around is that you have to start with Save the World, and in two, they can bring it back down and have them do, like, a buddy cop movie. But you have to start with Save the World if we're coming off Saving the World for the past five movies. They have If they're, if they're already Saving the World and you go to them to, like, fight against tolls on the road then it's not going to make sense. You're going to be like, this is really stupid. Well, why can't it just be that they're going after Brixton and that there's not a virus that's literally going to end, end mankind? That just Brixton is like... So why are they going after Brixton? He's some kind of advanced... Like, why do they get called into any job that they do? Because it's, it's a man with a special set of skills. I think they needed to start with Save the World, and I hope that they rein it back with the second one. I think you need to start there because it's the easiest transition from 8 to Hobson Shaw. I don't need to see more movies where these same people save the world. I mean, there's even a joke about, like, I save the world for the fourth time. Like, it just feels like, is this what it's going to be every movie from now on? Possibly. I don't think so. I think that they open the door with them, like, saving the world from the virus that now they can just go fight the voice, right? And then that's the movie that you wanted. You're like, go fight Brixton. But I think you needed to start at evil virus saving the world, evil corporation. And now you can just go fight the voice, fight the corporation, which is not, like, saving the world in evil virus is going to melt everyone type of scale. I mean, and maybe my frustration was just with the way that the fran- the main franchise has gone, that, like, the only story that this could tell is a continuation of that. Like, I think that's the bigger that's problem. Fair. I accept that. So Kevin Hart, we sort of briefly mentioned as the air marshal. Again, sort of comic relief. He's also there in like terms him? of the plot. I did like him a lot. I love Kevin Hart, dude. And I love Kevin Hart and the rock dynamic, those two together. And we before, we when we were doing the preview, I mentioned Jumanji and Central Intelligence which wasn't a great world-round movie, it's fun because Kevin Hart and The Rock are in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what sells you on it. I think they're a great duo. I think it was super smart of the franchise to bring those two together. And I like that they did put them in the movie, they gave them a set, but they didn't make them a huge character. They can call back on them if they want, which, bring them in which for a little they bit did, more comic relief. Which is how they got yep. to Samoa. They gave him a character that's like, here, you can call me whenever. Yep. But they don't. He doesn't have to be like part of the family. And they don't want to call him. And they don't want to call him. Yeah. So they're gonna call him in. So I'm assuming in Hobbs and Shaw two that there's gonna be a part where we're gonna get like 40 minutes into the movie, 
and they're going to be like, how the fuck are we going to do this? And he's going to show up again, and you're going to be like, oh shit, Kevin Hart again, and that's what's going to happen. And and I'm excited for that. And I'll still forget about it, and I'll still be in the theater, balls deep in Hobbs and Shaw 2, and I'll be like, I forgot that this was happening, and I'll be excited about it. When Kevin Hart showed up, though, it kind of fucked me up a little bit, because the same Why? site that reported that he was going to be in the movie, within yes. the same week, also reported that Keanu was going to be in the movie. And I was like, and then, so the rest of the movie, I had yeah. in my, I had sort of written off that Keanu was not going to be in the movie, because David Leitch had come out and said, he's not in the movie, don't get excited, he's not in this. True. Since yeah. then, we've said, we've, we've learned that he had conversations with both, the Keanu had conversations with both The Rock and David Leitch about how to work him in, maybe in a future movie, they want to sort of, they don't want to shoehorn him in, shoehorn him in here, um, uh, they want to sort of give him a part that like is a meaty part that actually works for him. But when Kevin Hart showed up, I was like, oh no, like now I'm going to be on the lookout for Keanu. You made a logical jump. You're like, oh fuck, Keanu might be in this. And then the whole movie, I mean, we're going to get to this in a little bit. The the voice that we're hearing, I was like, is that Keanu? Like, that's all I could think about. Like, it didn't take me out of the movie, but I was sort of like, I wish that I didn't know what I knew. But other than that, I love Kevin Hart in the movie. Rob Delaney, who I don't think you knew when he showed up. He's from Deadpool no, I didn't. 2. The one thing, like, Rachel's like, is he the, is he the guy from Deadpool 2? Remember, he's like the normal Kevin or whatever? Yep, he's Shaw's handler. Yes. Is what you called him, and that's a perfect description. That Shaw kicked his ass one day in a bar in Slovakia or whatever, 17 Doesn't years ago. Doesn't remember his name or something, yeah. Rob Delaney uh, is one of the first people, I think, to become really famous and well-known from just being funny on Twitter. And then he became, I think, a comedy writer, or sort of became more prolific as a comedy writer. And then he is the star, along with Sharon Horgan, in Catastrophe, which is a four-series four-season British show that is on okay. Amazon here, which is incredible. He goes over to England on a business trip, uh, has sex with a woman, one-night stand, she gets pregnant, and then they're mm. like, oh, I guess we're going to raise the kid together. And it's just like this really dark, funny, sort of sad, but like wonderfully written and wonderfully well-acted. And I just, I love both of them. So to see him here and not have a huge part, but have like a sizable part, I was very excited. No, it's cool. I, I like the tiny cameos. I think that that's my biggest complaint about Hobbs and Shaw. It's possibly our own faults, but I think we kind of psyched ourselves up for the possibility of someone from the family showing up in this movie. I was a little let down that we didn't have even like a passing brief moment where we saw anybody from the family that we knew come through this realm. That's what made me the most upset about it. Yeah. It's not like it's wrong. I understand that, you know, they have to kind of stand on their own. We don't really need that. Maybe that's better for a second for like the sequel to this. But like, I was really hoping, just give me like a, the only thing that we got that I noticed was that we get a a call back to Mr. Nobody. Yes. That Ryan Reynolds says that this is Mr. Nobody's buddy. And I'm like, you couldn't even have had Mr. Nobody like call Ryan Reynolds or something. I mean, maybe Kurt Russell wasn't available. He needs a fucking a voice cameo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Be like, hey, bud, like, we're going to need you to, like, go pick up our guy. And, like, that's all you need. Just Kurt Russell's voice for three seconds to just be like, yes, we need this, you know? Realistically, I wanted Leon or someone weird to be in this movie. It doesn't really fit, but that's what I want for my own personal preference right that's what that's what i'm thinking somebody who's not in this movie like mr nobody who i want to talk about is where is owen where is owen and the main part about this is why does shaw say at the end what does it it's it's in there for a very specific reason but we don't know yet but shaw says near the end you made me kill my brother he says that he, but then he says you what 
He says, you made me kill my brother. Then there's a pause. He says, you. Like, talking about Idris. Because he shot and killed Idris. Like, that was something that I didn't didn't catch. I don't know, man. So we don't see Owen any reference. That's either really bad script writing. I think it's just bad script writing because when he goes to visit Helen Mirren and she's like, your sister, your sister, your sister. No mention of Owen. You know, talking about the family. That's what I'm saying. All the flashbacks. Like, it just feels like... He never existed. That's what I'm saying. I think that she's not mentioning it because it's still a touchy subject. And for some reason, Brixen made him kill his brother. That's what he's saying. Because him and Brixen were like on the same team. They weren't brothers. I think it's more family, familial. It's, it's a weird line because we turn to each other and we're like, what? Because all movie we've been like, where is Owen? And he says that line. I think it was either yeah. Wes or Wells. One of them on Twitter was writing to us and it's just like, it's... You made me kill my brother, you. I can't believe you made me kill you or whatever, but, like, I, it just... I don't know. Did he say that? It's, it's a weird, either Script unfortunate writing? line or... I don't know, man. We're already digging way deep in this movie first time. Yeah, I, I don't know where he is. I think that we might get that he had to kill Owen for some reason. But, you know, why would his mom still be cool with him? Why would his sister be... But that would explain why his sister and him are tense, but they kind of, like, you know... No, his sister and him are tense because she works for MI6, and he's a criminal. That's that's true. That's Like, I feel like that's not played up enough at all. Like, they're literally on opposite sides of the law. Like, he used to be... He used to be this dark operative or whatever, and then he went bad, and she's essentially out to catch it. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like there's a tension there. That's why... I I don't think that the Owen thing plays into that at all. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, hopefully we get more elucidation from this. So let us talk about, I think, the, the big question that's left. Who is the voice? Give us your first theory that you said when we left the theater or Larson. It was either you or Larson said it. This I is my who. idea. So before we get there, let's talk about what we know about the voice. It's someone who calls Hobbs Hobbs. It's someone who says, yes. Hobbs, you probably don't remember me, but it has a connection yes. to him. Uh, you, you don't remember me, but you will soon or something like that. Yes. So my theory upon saying it the first time was that brought up Ant-Man before. When Peyton Reed made the first Ant-Man, he wanted Michelle Pfeiffer as Ant-Man, as Wasp's mom, as Michael Douglas's wife. Yes. And either she wasn't available, or they couldn't get her, or she didn't want to do it, or it was just such a small part that there, there wasn't a need to get her. But they cast a woman who's basically her size, her height, her shape, whatever, and then had her in the Wasp suit. Didn't say any lines. So then when Ant-Man and the Wasp came around... They were able to cast Michelle Pfeiffer, sort of retrofit her back into the first one, and have it be like the the part, the actress that that he always wanted. Yes. So my theory, and it's not really like a, a theory as much as like a, I think it just gives them the flexibility that if there was somebody they really wanted and couldn't get Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves or whoever, right? You don't pigeonhole yourself into one actor. There's a mystery for the second one. It leaves open the possibility that it could be anyone. It could be somebody we know, somebody we don't know. Yeah. Just like, you know, implied violence or whatever. Like, it's always going to be more interesting when you don't know something. It's not like we're never going to know. We're going to know next movie. But I think the fact between now and, say, three years from now or whatever, two years, three years, whatever, there's that question, who is it? Yeah, I'm with you 100%. When you when you said this when we left the theater, we were all standing outside talking, you know, digesting the movie. You mentioned this. I'm firmly with you. I think that that's the ultimate behind-the-scenes kind of behind-the-curtain goal mm-hmm. of what was happening there. So I have a new theory, but I want to, before I say mine, I don't want to, like, say definitively this is what it is, because obviously I don't know. 
But before I do that, what do, what is your theory? What are you uh, what are you, what are you thinking? I had a very loose theory. I pitched this to you early when we first came out of the movie, but it was kind of shot down by the "Do you remember me, Hobbs?" Oh, this is also this was Mike Manzi's theory too that he said after this. Yes. Yeah, Mike Manzi came to us. We we both communitively came to the same theory, and that was that I was thinking the way they were pitching the movie because Hobbs didn't know his father. His father left. He was a criminal that somehow Hobbes' father became the head of Etion. What was going to happen was it was going to turn out that he was going to have to fight his dad. We were going to get like a Darth Vader situation, right? Which is awesome, and I think that would have played really well. But I don't think it works because in the movie he says, do you remember me, Hobbes? He doesn't say, do you remember me, Luke? And I think that that's the defining moment where we know that my theory crumbles and falls apart. Just to give you the benefit of the doubt, I think, in that regard, that could be the kind of thing where, like, we've seen Fast and Furious sort of retrofit things. Like, it's not, like, necessarily, definitively not his dad. Like, it could just be, like, just talking. Like, it, it just feels like one of those things that's like, oh, yeah, we're going to look over that because it's going to make sense. But I agree with you upon deeper analysis or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't quite add up. Yeah, because he calls his brother Jonah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they all have, like, he calls her, like, Mama or whatever. What does he call her? The Samoan word for mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, they all have kind of, like, first name, pet name type situations. And if his dad was Hobbs, he wouldn't call his son Hobbs. You know what I mean? He would have called him Luke or, like, if, if they would have given him, like, do you remember me, like, Oos, anything, any possible other word than Hobbs, I would be confident more confident in my theory, but I don't I don't think that I'm right anymore. I'm trying to find where it was that I think Wells DM'd me or tweeted at us. He gave like a list of who he thought the he voice did. He could be. He tweeted at us or he tweeted it, yeah. Oh maybe it was me. Maybe it wasn't oh, I think he I think he kept it away oh, from he tweeted us. Yeah, because yes, I think he, he was keeping it away from us spoiler separately free. on our private pages. Yeah, yep. hang on. Yep. Because he had like an interesting list. So here we go. Okay, you found it. Top five candidates for the voice at the end. Number five with a, he has got a fingers crossed emoji. Number five, Carter Verone, which I think is just like probably not going to be him, but could be. Yeah, but that would be awesome. I agree because we talk about Carter Verone. A lot. Number four, Cipher, which is logical, but I don't think so because if she's going to be in nine and and Dom and Hobbs are kind of fighting, I don't think that she'll come to Hobbs and Shaw. Like we're not going to put her in three of these. So number three, he says is Deckard which would be interesting because I guess that would be like a pre-recorded because I think he's in the room with him. I don't know exactly how that would work. Number two, Ryan Reynolds. And number one, fingers crossed again, Han. Han would be very interesting too with the Ryan Reynolds thing. Throughout the movie, when Rachel and I were talking about it, she kept saying the voice sounded like Ryan Reynolds and she thought it was Ryan Reynolds. And that's kind of like the cop-out easy way out if it's Ryan Reynolds like turning on Hobbs. Again, why would he say, do you remember me? Yeah. Not like... Hobbs, you know who I am, or something along these lines. Also, I think that it really has to just be someone new. As much as I want it to be someone we kind of know, it has to be someone new to me. So after watching the second time, I am very confident. I'm excited to hear this. It's Cypher. Why? It's either Cypher or the writing is very poor. Because just the way that the words are delivered, me having seen all 50 of Charlie Theron's movies, the intonation, the way that it is being spoken, the the space between the words, just the way that the words are said. Oh, it is okay. firmly Cypher Charlie's. And maybe that's just the way that they, the direction, maybe that's not, it's not her at all. Maybe it's just like sort of like weird, poor writing. But like, I, I feel like 
every line, and maybe it's confirmation bias. Maybe I sort of had the idea in my head, and I was just yeah, like, this sounds true. like her, but I would be... That's the easiest way out, dude. I would say Vegas odds, She's if she's not the favorite, it's easy money. I'm very confident it's her. And I think it's her because, she doesn't say Shaw, do you remember? Because obviously Shaw was on the plane, right? But like Hobbs sort of was like tangentially related in, in fate to her. I think it's I, I think it's her. I think that she's going to be, because we know she's coming back, I think she's going to be kind of the the way that they bridge these two stories, kind of. Yeah, but Vin and The Rock aren't cool, so, like, they can't really bridge these stories, right? They're not going to sabotage... It doesn't fly. What, Cypher? I don't know if it's because I don't want her to be brought into the Hobbs and Shaw world or what, but it doesn't work that she would be, like, the only crossover character. I don't think she's be the crossover character. I think she's going to be the reason that they cross back over. But I don't think they're going to cross back over. You want them to... So, they, so it'll be 9 comes out, Hobbs and Shaw 2 comes out, they come back to 10 to, like, close it out, wrap it up. I think so, because I think that either... Cause That's as, a good play, but they're not the same writer. It doesn't matter. It's the same... As Mike has been saying on, on the, on the ride-along, I think Mike was saying you know, about how like every person that we've seen, every villain, Braga and Shaw and everyone is leading up, they all work for, in some regard, Cypher. Whether she's the top of the pyramid or near the top, or we're going to know somebody above her, I think that she's going to be sort of the grand architect the mastermind behind a lot of this and obviously from yeah, fate fair. we know that she's technologically based and technologically savvy uh, modified humans is right in that wheelhouse i don't want to say i'm confident in this but i would be legitimately surprised if the voice is anyone other than cypher i would almost be willing to like make a bet like like i would take cypher and you would take the field like i'm that confident like, i think i think wow. narratively i think dialogue i think the the menace the sort of the vague menace i think it all all signs point to Cypher. Yeah, I get it. I like you. I don't know if I want it to be Cypher, but I also don't know that I don't want it to be Cypher. I think that it would make the most sense if there's going to be three or four or five Hobbs and Shaw. Who knows how many of these there are going to be. I think you could do kind of simultaneously. Like if Nine comes out and she's in that, and then in Hobbs and Shaw 2, they're going after her, and maybe they happen at the same time. And then yeah. 10, the two stories re-intersect, Merge. take her yeah. down, and then they go their separate ways, and then it just becomes whatever Hobbs and Shaw wants to become, and the main franchise either ends or spins off to something else. The way that we're like approaching the end game, I can't see a world in which Hobbs is not in the core franchise anymore. Like he's not going to be in nine, yeah. but I would be stunned if he's not in ten. Yeah, you're right. I just don't want it to play out like that. It's it's too obvious to me. Like I want some kind of mystery. You're right. It's it's logical. I don't know if the franchise really ever gets by on surprise i think it gets by on retrofitting things in and like connecting things but like there's nothing about this that's really oh i didn't see that coming other than other than like gina carano but that's in the grand scheme of things very minor not much yeah very very minor i know how charlie speaks i know especially since i've seen i believe you dude fade the furious five times in the last two years or whatever. I mean, we both have, but like... Yeah. I would be surprised. I would be... Again, I would take her against the field. Like, if you said her versus the field, I would take her. I, I'm I'm confident enough that I think that is her. God, I hope not. I'm begging it's like Keanu or someone new. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's good, though. Have Keanu be her brother. You know what I mean? Like, have it somebody tangentially related to her that's not her, and I'd be okay with it. But I feel like the way that she says, you don't, you may not remember me, but you will, needs to be some, like, it could be someone from his past that we don't know, but I feel like to make that meaningful in this world, in this universe, it needs to be yeah. someone that we know has had a history with Hobbes. It can't just be like, oh yeah, he was the first guy I put away or whatever. Like, that doesn't, 
There's no weight to that. Yeah. That's why that's why I beg that it's Braga, dude. I want not Carter Verone, but I want it to be like Braga. Do you think Braga's Braga's like, gone from like low level drugs thinking Mexican crime lord to in jail to suddenly being like the head of this multi trillion dollar enterprise? I don't see that happening. But Braga had the technology. He had the weird GPS stuff. Yeah, from Cypher. Oh, that's true. I can't get out of it. I, I'm trying to logically walk out of it, but I think that you you make a very strong a very strong case. So we have three years to wait until we figure it out, or two. The two big questions that we want you to write in, family at cageflow.me, who's the voice and where's Owen? Yes, those are exactly what I want to know. What are your takes on who's the voice? Because that's the most important takeaway from this whole movie. I have a few other little things that I want to talk about, but let's go through. Go let's go through your notes. Or do you want to? Are you? Are you just sort of dropping them in as we talk? I'm dropping them in as we talk. I'm. I'm I've actually cr- cross off a lot of my notes um, just by you know putting in little tidbits. The big sadness, which uh, which Nick pointed out when he emailed then Hobbs is not gay that Hobbs and uh, Vanessa Kirby had Vanessa Kirby make out yeah. and he's like ooh you want to do that again she's like no maybe tomorrow yeah. maybe he's bi survive. maybe he's like Suki we were a little disappointed like I get it we get it but it's also at the same time we're like we're like, ah oh, alright so now I want to come up with a well, new before, theory before the movie started I saw some kind of tweet or something and it was like if we have to sit through a whole movie of Hobbs making I fucked your sister jokes to show that was a BD Waffy that we did yes exactly and that I was like oh this person seems like they've seen the movie before or seen some kind of trailer that we hadn't seen something right and I was like uh I hope not I want to come up with a new theory that's not like a theory that has any kind of plot significance but i want to have a new theory like a, like a character driven theory that like we can then go back through the movies and see if we can confirm that you know what i mean if we have any character hot takes that you want to write in family yeah. cage club.me yeah. i have one that i've been running with that you don't seem to like at all that we're gonna add timothy chalamet to this movie and they're gonna swim forever <sighs> <laughs> anyway next up no i i you know i I just feel like on the list of people that I would want, I mean, like, you know, we talk about in the next episode, we talk about sort of like my, my short list of like dream actors. And I think our guests made a lot of great points about why Paul Walker yeah. was so important to these movies, how you need someone like Paul Walker. And I feel like there's a lot of, there's yeah. a long list of people who could sort of fill that she role. She some great ones. Timothy Chalamet, not quite that. But again, you know, I will never stop laughing if he, if he, get, if he gets added to these movies. I will never stop laughing. I'm going to flop my wiener on the table so hard. By the way, I need to go what? back. The most important thing that happened in Austin, I tweeted about this, I sent this to you. I'm still thinking yes. about it. I'm still laughing about this. Before we go to the baby shower. Yes. My sister and I go to Target for her to buy gifts for the baby shower because she has a registry there. Yeah. We're walking around and I walk by a cart and this mom is pushing the cart and she stops yep. the cart and there's a toddler in the cart and the mom walks away and then... <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good story. And the toddler says, stay focused. And the mom quickly says, oh, yes, 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 you're right, you're right. And then just, like, goes back to the cart and keeps pushing it. And I look at her, and we make eye contact, and she does not react. The mom does not react, does not respond, and walks away. Well, she's not allowed to. She has to stay focused. And I stood there for a second. I literally doubled over laughing, and I was next to some other woman. I don't even know if she had heard what happened, but my sister kind of heard it, and this other woman, I don't know if she did or not, but I just couldn't stop laughing. It's incredible. At a two-year-old or a three-year-old who this feels like it's been old hat, that they go out and the mom just drifts off, and the kid's just like, stay focused, and the mom's like, oh yes, thank you, and then they just go on. Like the, It's the, like a prank show, The yeah. speed at which it happened, in a weekend... Where I had seen Hobbs and Shaw, where I saw Carly Rae Jepsen in the concert, where I got to see my sister, I got to meet my sister's new cat, 
where I got to hang out with Wes. It might be my favorite thing from that weekend. Like, it is just so Dude, it's awesome. pure and genuine and amazing. And I loved it so much. And I would just, like, stop and I would just start laughing. And my sister's like, you're still thinking about it? I'm like, I'm never going to stop thinking about this. Like, it is the greatest thing I've ever heard. This is... Because it's amazing. This is a, if it weren't for my horse moment. Yeah. You know, you're like, you just saw it happen. And, and out of context, we can surmise what happened. But the little, the toddler to have full command over this situation and the mom be like, you're right. It's very intriguing to me. If it weren't for that horse, I never would have spent that year in college. Yeah, it's what you think about when you're at the International House of Pancakes. If it weren't for my horse, if it weren't for my horse. Yeah, but I just, I, I, I want to know everything. And I want to know nothing more, and I want to know everything more about that relationship. No, it can only be disappointing. we got to live in this yep. world. Stay focused. Yes, all right. She's like, yep, yep, yep. Sorry. Wonderful. And just gets back to the cart. Jesus. Yep. Nothing good can come of you figuring out no. what actually happened. No, 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 no. Not at all. It's like when you pass, like, a really beautiful woman, and you just, like, see her in passing, and you're like, she's gorgeous. She's so mysterious and incredible in your head and you can make up that she's a spot she is Vanessa Kirby in this movie but it's like nope probably not I mean like I'm not a you know the rock whatever pedestal you're putting this person on this moment on this event is never gonna be as good as you're imagining there's always gonna be exactly weird little annoyances or I don't know if, if this was a bit that the mom and the toddler were doing I don't know if it was just acted out explicitly for me it's the like that would that's the only way this can make it better is if like they, they had trained to do this bit in front of a stranger at Tart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the only way this could get better. Like, <laughs> I, I just, oh God, it's so wonderful. Sometimes it's better, just like the theme song to The Leftovers, let the mystery be. Don't stop thinking about it, but like, don't learn more. Like, just let the wonder happen. Enjoy that there was that moment that I shared, maybe with my sister, maybe I just told her, I don't remember. Like, all I know is that in that moment, there were only three people on the planet. It was me, this mom, this toddler, and it was the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And that is... Enough for I'm me. I'm just glad that they let you into their world because it was a beautiful look. Oh, so, thank you, thank you, strangers. One thing I want to talk about in terms of Hobbs and Shaw that I don't think will age well, which has been in a couple movies lately. Is yes, you've said this. Go repeated ahead. Game of Thrones references. It's gonna really date this, and it's gonna get grating in 20 years when we're still watching this movie. It's not gonna age well. I agree with you 100. percent In Logan Lucky, which is a great movie that we covered for Cinemakers because Steven Soderbergh made it, we're gonna cover for Magic Mike's eventually because Channing is in it. Yes, there are multiple Game of Thrones references. It's funny. There's also an Orange is the New Black reference. Yes. And I know that Game of Thrones is always going to be in our pop culture lexicon, but like we don't need yeah. three jokes in a scene and then a callback later. No, we don't, dude. You know that I gave up on Game of Thrones. I didn't need it. I didn't need it in Hobbs and Shaw. One of them would have been okay. I would have let it slide. Ryan Reynolds drags it out, and then we get the callback at the, at the post-credits scene. I was like, God damn it, dude. Hobbs' daughter. It was a different actress. Rachel's like, I can't believe they recast her. I was like, I didn't even I didn't notice. notice by Rachel the way, was very upset, so shout out Rachel. Yeah, she caught that one for sure. But the daughter's like, I've seen worse. And then Hobbs says, where? And she says, Game of Thrones at Janet's house. And Hobbs says, you're never going back there. Fine joke, cool joke, end it. Yes, that's cute. Then that's perfect. I agree. Ryan that's a, Reynolds that's a great one. says, Alana always pays his debts. And I'm like, oh, it's already pushing it. That's fine. That's fine. We did a little too much, but that's okay. Then Hobbs says, you know nothing, Jon Snow. And I was just like, okay. And then later in the movie, there's a callback. I was like, God, why? 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 Yeah, just stop, dude. Like, four of them? Like, how bored were you guys? Like, you couldn't throw in more pop culture references? Like, come on, dude. And we're not that close to it anymore. 
Like, it's happened now. There's something to be said. I don't want to compare Hobbs and Shaw to Jaws, because Jaws is, like, one of the maybe five best movies that's ever yes. been made. But there's something about Jaws yeah. where, like, it's so perfect and timeless, and, like, it's clearly in the 70s, but you could... Like, I was listening to a podcast recently that said you could release that today, and outside of a few shots where, like, the, the shark kind of looks fake, it would still be, like, a massive success, because, like, it's just Or, like, a, like radios, like, any of these kind of, like, dating things. But even still, it could be a piece in time yep. or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah, it would still be perfect today. It could happen anytime. It, it's it's yep. perfect as it is. Here, it's it is. like, oh, Timeless. this is very firmly in probably a three or four year stretch when everybody had already started watching Game of Thrones and was talking about it. And it's just like, I appreciate that, Not but even I don't that. Need it, it narrows it even more by having it so that it they tell you like a couple of the early things and then give you the end thing too, to where it's like, God damn it, like, you could have made this timeless if you would have got the, I've seen worse in Game of Thrones and a Lannister always pays his debt, I would have brushed over it. Yep. I wouldn't have been mad about it. Again, minor minor gripe with the movie, but again, just cut it out. We're way deep in this. I agree. Yeah. I like that Hobbes calls Nas moonshine. He says, hit him with the moonshine. I wonder, we need to look up if that's a, a, a Samoan reference to Nas. Because you know that in, you know, when we have the Haitian Mile, they use the laughing gas from the dentist's office. I'm guessing it's like that, where it's just like sort of a, a bootleg homemade accelerant. Which could be moonshine, right? Right. If you had like very high test ethanol, mm-hmm. that would essentially be the same thing as race fuel, something like that. So yep. not the same thing, but you know, it would give you a boost of combustion. And the last note that I want to talk about, and this is going to, I guess, give away, but it should be obvious. We already mentioned it once. The pit stop we're going to do in two weeks is the Italian job, because apparently, whether it's just a joke, we're going to take it as canon that when they're walking through... They've said it. The writers have said it now. Oh, right. They did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Chris Morgan said he's he's firmly canonized. Shaw is Handsome Rob from the Italian job, so... Which is weird, considering Charlize is in that movie, and she's not Cypher. Didn't we say this earlier in the episode, that it could be, like, Edward Norton? Yeah, I said it could be Edward Norton, or... That's why I'm saying we could bring somebody into the fold from the Italian job, and that would make me really happy. That would get me really excited. Yeah, we're gonna do the Italian job as our... And I think what we should specifically focus... I mean, like, when we did it for Watch the Throne, obviously, Mike and I focused on Charlize, and we didn't like it because Charlize's character is not great, and Mark Wahlberg just, like, walks into her hotel room while she's changing. It's just, like, all, like, weird, low-grade sexualization. Like, just, like, not great. But I want to watch it specifically, thinking that Shaw, or that that Jason Statham is Shaw, and that Charlize is Cypher, and see what tracks and see what doesn't track. I'm a thousand percent with you, and that's exactly why I want to watch it. Coming up as our first pit stop... We didn't expect to do this before going into the movie, and we were sitting in the theater, still butt in seat, and I said, you know we have to do Italian Job as our first pit stop. And I was like, yep, and there we go. Yeah. And that's all my notes about this. Anything else that you want to talk about with Hobbs and Shaw before we talk about it again in like three or four weeks with Mike Manzi? I have like a couple quick tidbits that are going to be very, very quick off the cuff. One that we talked about in the theater, we looked at each other during it, we said, oh, they get to share the fuck? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Walt brought that up when we were talking with him. We get one fuck in a PG-13 movie. A kind of way around it, a clever way to do it, was they they let them share the fuck, which was awesome. Something from our next lap, a little little peek behind the curtain into our next lap. I like that Kevin Hart brought up that they were three alphas, not a double alpha. They were a triple alpha. They called back to the alphas from Seven, which we were just watching Seven, too. We're all alphas. We're three 
three alphas. I do want to say that was a problem that Jordan had with this movie because Kevin Hart's like, you need a third, you need a third, you need a third. And Jordan's like, they have a third. Hattie is literally right there. Yes, that's kind of sexist. Kevin yeah. Hart, well, because Kevin Hart doesn't know that she's there because she's asleep and he's just talking to the two of them. Fair. But they both Touché. know that she's there. And they're both like, yeah, you know, I, I, I get where you're coming from with the third. They're not like, oh, hey, like we already have a third. You know, they, they could just have like a throwaway line. Like, we really don't need you, dude. We have a third. Yes. It just feels like a, not great. But I mean, it's not Kevin, it's not the Kevin Hart character's fault. It's just sort of like, why didn't they say something? Fair. I agree. And the last thing that I noticed in the movie when I was watching it for the second time, and if you guys are going to go see it again, pay attention to this. As we know, Roman Reigns was in the movie. We didn't really talk about him. Roman Reigns, the wrestler, is The Rock's cousin. Yes. In actual, in real life. Yep. And so Roman Reigns is in the movie. He's part of, like, the brothers, right? So when they go to Hobbs' customs, there's a scene where they're kind of, like, doing a montage, right? After he talks to Hattie about, you know, his dad was a criminal, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, walking through the garage. And Roman Reigns, like, there's, like, a tray with, like, two car parts on it. It's, like, either, like, a turbo or, like, an exhaust or something. Mm -hmm. And he picks up one moves it from the right to the left, picks up the other one, moves it from the left to the right, and then walks away. <laughs> so, like, it was one of those things where, like, he's definitely a wrestler. In the action scenes where he's, like, fighting and stuff like that, Roman Reigns is awesome. It was, like, one of the only shots you got of just Roman Reigns, right? There's, like, a shot where he's, like, swinging a club later in, like, one of the fight scenes, and, like, that's awesome. But there's just this scene, and when I saw him, like, they were, like, okay, like, go be in the shot. And he really didn't know what to do, so he just, like, moves one thing from one side and one thing to the other side and then walks away. Like, he doesn't, like, hand anybody or anything. Like, he could have easily walked up and, like, picked one of the things off the thing and walked away with it. But instead of doing that, he just moved two things and walked away. I feel like a lot of the things we've been talking about lately have been reminding me of old stand-up bits, but that reminds me of another Brian Regan bit where he's like, I saw two log trucks pass each other on the highway. If they need logs over there and they need logs over there, <laughs> and it's just the same thing, like if, if the two parts are there <laughs> yeah. and the one part's there and the other part's there, there's different reasoning behind the two things, but it's kind of just like a like, I, I get why it's happening, but why is it happening? That's what I mean. It's like, I was, like, watching this movie for the second time, like, looking for, like, some nuanced things for us to talk about tonight. And I was like, oh, I wonder, like, what Roman Reigns is doing. And just in that one clip that I'm, like, really paying attention to him, I see him do the dumbest shit ever acting-wise. And I was like, god damn it. Like, how, how did nobody fix this, you know? Like, it's, like, not like there's really anything else going on in the scene. It's And it's, like, like a split second, but he just, like, moves to... I was like, god, god this is horrible. Because I was asking someone... Because I don't know what I didn't know really what Roman Reigns looked like. I I now know him as like the the best looking like he's just like a very handsome dude. But somebody described like he's the one who does wrestling moves, and I was like, oh right, yeah, that's right, the one that's not the Rock that's doing wrestling moves. Yep. Yes. But yeah, that was uh, whew, that was an that was an in depth dive. Considering that we, neither of us really had notes, like we don't have like the notes that we normally have. I took notes in the dark in the theater with a pen. Yeah. So I was writing half my notes are written over each other because like I didn't know where the lines. I was using unlined paper and like I still like. So that's that was what I went through. I was basically think, sitting there thinking last night, okay, I have a list of three or four things, and then like as soon as I was like, I'm starting to forget them, like I would go walk away and like I'd write them all down, and I was like, okay, yeah. I got the cameos, I got this, I got that. I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot the first. Okay, I got I got the first one. Okay, then I would go over and just like write down all four. Yep. So I'm, I'm excited to see this again once or twice more in theaters. I think we're both going to see it again probably before we talk about it with Mike. I'm going to try to see it again. I don't know. You I might, don't you know. Might not? I, I might see it again. I'll have to convince somebody else to go with me. And I don't just know because I... I don't have to pay for 
for it because I pay the monthly fee for AMC. I exactly, think I'm just going yeah. to wind up seeing it maybe like once a week ish. Plus, there's like no other. There's really no other movies that are out that I want to see. No, that's true. I want to get to a point where like I can reference lines and sort of reference things and just sort of have it in my bones the way that I do. I know, with the other and stuff. we're gonna have to wait a couple months for it to come out on. Blu-ray, DVD, all this shit. I do think so, it yeah. came out early enough. Like It's going to come out before Thanksgiving, I think. Every year when I am putting together my like list of movies, like my favorite movies of the year or whatever, we're right now in the time of the year where it could kind of go either way. And we're still like in the next month or so, things will be out on Blu-ray or VOD or whatever before the end of the year. For September yep. releases, that's when you're starting to push it. Like it might come out by the end of December, but it might not. And so like I was talking to maybe Melissa about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was like, I want to see that again before I make my list because I didn't love it, but I liked it. Now that I know what it is, I want to see it again. But I know I don't have to rush to see it in theaters because I know it's going to be out Thanksgiving-ish. You know what I mean? Yep. So I know that Hobbs and Shaw will likely be out in December because we'll cover it in three or four weeks, and then I think the next time we're going to cover it with Kara is, like, mid-January. And by then, for sure, it'll be out on home video. Yeah, it'll be out for sure. So by the time we cover it on lap five, it'll be out. I just still want to see it, you know, because I like it, and I want to just sort of get up to speed, literally at the speed, pun intended. Word. I'm with you, brother. You mean Uzo. Uso. 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 For all things Too Fast Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever, or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Write us your rankings, your thoughts. Next week's Furious 7, two weeks, Fate of the Furious. You know, we got lots of things, exciting things coming up over the next 10 weeks, and then obviously forever. So email family at cageclub.me. Let us know. Check out our Patreon at forever.com. Nick, like I said, thank you again for supporting us. Stickers in the mail. Thank everybody else for supporting us on there. TooFastTooForever.com, family at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next week for Furious 7 right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. <laughs>